What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Good Anime Palette Podcast. This is episode number 47. We have recorded a bunch of episodes in the past for future releases, but time has caught up to us in the present, and now we are once again diving back into the world of anime and manga. I am your co-host, Jason, and I am joined, as always, as usual, with long-distance Will over here. What's up, buddy? Holy shit, that was a really fucking good intro. Wow, okay. You, Damn, you, you, you must have been you, primed to do this. Right? Yeah, because we haven't, we haven't actually recorded in just over six weeks. It's It's been a long time since I've had a mic in my face. But you do know... Yeah, okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Like what? It's been a hot minute. Damn. Yeah. No, it's it's it, yeah, a, a lot has happened. Um and just in case no one has well if, if you're listening and you don't know what the situation is going on. Uh so we've done many 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 recordings. I mean, as you've seen, this is currently episode 47 of the regular podcast uh, episode format for um the GAP, but whilst we have done a couple where because of COVID, you know, Jason was at his place, I was at my place, we had to do it remotely. This time around, we're not even on the same continent. So whilst Hong whilst, whilst Jason's all the way same out planet, Kong, though, I have, I have to reiterate, same planet. We, same planet, still in the same 3D realm. Same just timeline, in, though? Know, different location. Uh, mm. Mm, mm. Which, which Earth are you on? Earth 2? I've been buying a bunch of real estate, buddy. Good. Okay. So not 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 six two six, right? We're not going to go into the Marvel universe, are we? I don't even know. The world's on fire. I think six cryptocurrency is going up in flames. We're talking over each other because we're not next to each other. I'm sorry about that, but oh, don't. It, 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 we we can train wreck a little bit. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm all the way out in uh, the Great White North in Toronto. Um. I'm here because uh, my sister just got married, so I now have a. A brother-in-law. I am staying at my parents' place up in Richmond Hill. It is cold as fuck over here. I, it, the weather report says it's going to be snowing in a couple days. Um, that's pretty normal for Canada. It's how not many normal inches for me of snow? I haven't seen snow in like ten years. How many inches? Or, or predicted uh, how many inches? I, I didn't look that far. I know that that's that's something that like you know I I should be looking into. Um, I, I just haven't lived in the snowy, cold climate in a long, long time. But you 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 spent like you know a pretty good amount of time. In like in the in the Midwest, out in the uh, out in New England, so you you must be kind of used to snow yourself, right? Uh, I personally really like winter, even the harsh winter. I think in Boston, one year they had a ten minute frostbite warning. I always love telling the story because it was insane the amount of like fervor that caused. And then uh, at Purdue in Indiana, in the Midwest, where I went to university, they had the first snow day in like. 10 years 15 years or something like crazy like that and uh it was intense yeah like a foot of snow so that's like yeah i'm 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 not sure how much snow it's gonna be because you know despite it being pretty cold over here it's still like mid-november and like the snowfall really starts piling up in like late december early january all the way through to apparently down to like march april uh out in toronto so yeah uh before i was in toronto i spent about you know a week and a half over in uh, in in Los Angeles, uh, in California, then spent uh, some time over in New York. In between the California and New York time, though, um, uh, you didn't know this, Jason. Um, I got COVID. Uh, I got what? COVID about two weeks ago. Yeah. Yo, what? We got to timestamp this. Oh my God. What? Okay, so uh, tell me what happened, buddy. Was this so, was this post, course, this post know, like, Hamilton, so, right? So, 
post Hamilton. No, 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 no. This happened no, before. So I told you about Hamilton. I got. I told you. I think I told you about the time I got. I got the tickets for Hamilton. I actually got it like in the tail end of my trip in California. So I was there for ten days, and by around like the fifth, sixth day, that's when I got COVID. So flying into LA, had the mask on the whole time. As soon as I landed in LAX, I took my mask off. It felt wonderful. It felt weird initially, but it felt wonderful. Uh, and then I, you know, caught up with friends, went over to Pasadena, went down to um, the SoFi Stadium. That's where the Los Angeles Rams, uh, the NFL team, plays their home games. And you can imagine, right? Like a stadium that fits like 65, 70,000 people, not a single person wearing a mask. Unless I guess they, unless they were like medical services, emergency services. Not even those, the staff? Those, uh, no, actually, I don't think so. Oh, no. shit. I, I mean, because the mask mandate is like optional for most people now. So it's un- unless I guess you're, you're like in emergency wards or like A&E, then you would need to have a mask on. Like but if you're a normal part, no. medical personnel yeah i, I guess yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ex- exactly so i suspect that's where i got it i either got it there or i got on the plane because like, if you're on a plane then like even with all the uh, all the filters and ventilation and all that you're still in an enclosed space um so yeah got covid but um it actually wasn't so bad you know like whenever you hear stories of people getting covid it's like oh they lose their voice they're non-stop coughing uh they lose their sense of smell they're like lazy and lethargic for like five to ten days I was perfectly fine outside of like a sore throat. You know, I was, I still had my sense of taste and smell. I was still like fairly active. There might be like maybe like half a day or maybe a full day where I felt like I was just like bedridden, couch ridden. But by the time, like, I think by the time I started doing my, my tests again, by the third or fourth day, COVID was gone. Like I, I'm, 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 I'm triple like vaccinated. Okay. I, I had like my first two shots, uh, Last year, I had my third shot earlier this year, and then, yeah, I, I guess I just didn't have a very, very serious bout of, of COVID. So I managed to recover just in time, like about a day before I was supposed to fly out to New York. Um, so, yeah. Um, wow. COVID was interesting. In the meantime, I had a co-worker, I think two co-workers got COVID, and I had a bartender friend who uh, works at a bar that... I frequent quite a bit, and I think you know the name of. I don't really want to say it, but uh, it's in Soho in in Hong Kong. So, uh, ne- so that's all I'll say. I know this bartender pretty well, and uh, yeah, shout out to that guy. That guy's a trooper. Yeah, and uh, he got COVID, and he currently has like really bad cough. But he, you know, as you in Hong Kong, you tested negative two days in a row then you're good, right? So Yeah, I think like, the, the, the post-COVID cough is... Oh, yeah, and you can't it, it taste lingers. anything and smell anything. It's really fucked up. Yeah, the post-COVID uh, symptoms can be pretty rough for some people. Like, my, um, my, my, my sister got COVID earlier this year. To this point, she still has, like, random coughs that can spike. It, it might just be down to the fact that it's, it's cold, dry weather here, but I, I have other friends who also still have, like that COVID cough. They can't really get rid of it yet. And it's been like six to 10 months since they got it. So um, if you, if you've had COVID, I hope you've recovered from it. Or if you're, if you have COVID right now, well, you know, best of luck, lots of fluids, lots of rest. Uh, and of course, lots of GAP to keep you company as well. Yeah. Cause guess what guys in the past six weeks, since we recorded past four weeks, since I talked to Will, other than like here and there messaging, cause I've been pretty busy too. A lot of news has been happening, a lot of releases, and a lot of fall seasonal stuff has happened as well. 
Uh, what I think we're going to do is move some of it to um, a later date. I know we said that we will address it, but we have a lot of news to cover. So we're going to cover most of the news here. And then we're going to cover most of the fall seasonal updates, if any, in like uh, the next episode, which is going to be hilarious because that's right before our episode 48 season finale so it, that that just that just shows how quickly things have, i mean we, we always do this right every single season we start doing recordings we start talking about oh the fall season's upon us the spring season's upon us and then we're in the midst of it and we start talking about oh hey, you checked out this series oh is that series coming along and then lo and behold we're at the end of the gap season and the fall season itself is only a couple episodes away from wrapping things up time waits for no one man we we we're just trying to do our best to stay on top of stuff so um for the looks of what we got right now we've got seven new stories is that correct yeah we do so let's start with uh like let's just go in with the first new story that we have on the docket so yeah let's just let's just go from top to bottom so just keep it simple there kaguya sama love is war is a very very well-known manga a very very well-known anime that has announced an anime film I'm not sure whether or not that it's like a finale movie because I actually, unfortunately, have not caught up with season three. I should, just like plenty of other things, unfortunately. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, like like empty out the on-hold list, and it, it, it really, like, is like a process. But I managed I managed to finish um, – well, not, not managed. I, I did. I did finish Love is War uh, not too long ago. Um, spoiler alert. It's incredible. Um, I mean, you can already see the clamor it's gone on uh, on my anime list and how people are propelling it to the best anime of all time. Uh, but yeah, they, no, nothing from their way. It, it, it's it's still like it is absolutely amazing. So, dude, take your time, man. Like, whenever you've got time to actually start watching more anime that's not like JP related, that's not seasonal related, just just enjoy. The worst part is I have been watching stuff like maybe one or two episodes per day, just not. Other, uh, I'll get into it. Uh, but, later. but I mean, like, where do, where do you where do you start, right? Like, you do do your backlog. Do you do the seasonals? Do you do JP work? Do you do like stuff that you you maybe like spend? Some, we watched the. Oh wait, we watched a movie. Yes, we oh, wait, we probably should have started. We'll, we'll talk about that after we finish this um uh this this news announcement. Okay, so so, so, so we'll, ju- we'll, about, we'll uh, jump we'll, we'll jump back to what we've been watching after this news story. So, Aka Akasaka, who is the mangaka for Kaguya Sama Love Is War, and also the writer for a very very well known and hotly anticipated up and coming uh series Oshinoko about idols, and we've talked about it for episode forty six. And uh, to be clear, Aka Akasaka drew and wrote Kaguya-sama Love is War, but only wrote uh, Oshinoko, didn't draw it. And it turns out that there was an announcement probably some time ago that Aka Akasaka said, yo, I'm retiring from drawing mangas, so I can just write manga instead, which is kind of a bit unfortunate because I think Kaguya-sama Love is War, the art looks pretty pristine and nice and clean. But on the other hand, I mean, how many times will have we heard of like X and X mangaka is like taking a hiatus due to failing health, like that literal headline. It's just insane, man. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he said that well, he intends for Kaguya-sama Love is War like, to be like the last manga in which he's like fully responsible for drawing... Like he still says that you know he continue he plans to continue drawing because it's 
that sort of relaxing hobby he wants to keep. And I think that's the main takeaway here. Don't take away the fact that he still has a good penmanship. He still wants to continue writing. I think the word he used itself was gensaku, which means uh, original work. Uh, but within the context of manga production, it means writing like a specific manga story as opposed to drawing the art. So that's like what, what the gist of this whole announcement was. So I think maybe it's just the fact that it, maybe he was just falling out of love with you know the, the the whole process of writing and creating manga maybe he wanted to keep those two things separate where like he can devote his professionalism to purely writing but also finding time to unwind by drawing it might just be that it might be as simple as that there may be something else going on behind the scenes but like whatever it is we hope that you know this is this is their own decision he wants to do this himself and the only thing we can do is respect it and you know hopefully we can look forward to you know, more of his writings and hopefully whoever decides to take up the mantle of doing the artwork for it uh, is able to meet that high high bar that he sets for himself. Um, but whatever it is, you know, we, we wish him luck and we hope that, you know, he finds the best of what he wants for himself. I mean, to be fair, I think one of the best things about Oshinoko is not the art, but the writing. So, look, I think if if he wants to not draw as much, or as you said, as a hobby or kind of like chill out for a bit it makes sense with the failing health of a lot of mangakas and like losing sleep and health and if you just want to stay in the industry long term which i think all a lot of creators do like you got to look out for numero uno sometimes your health right so that's yeah. very important and not, not just your physical health too right your mental health your emotional health just trying to keep yourself, you know, like well balanced so that you're not devoting too much into one basket. And then when, you know, you feel that things are crumbling, you don't have an exit plan. You don't have something that you can like tune yourself out and just be able to relax. So it's a smart move, I think. You know, whatever it is, I, I respect the decision. All right. So now we are going to go back in time to what we have been watching uh, or reading in this case watching yeah dude we, we spent like maybe like 10 15 minutes just chatting before we even hit the record button i, I have no idea how this just completely like flew over our heads like we actually we actually did watch something literally together we sat in a theater not that long ago and watched an anime movie and it was so out of like it's so out of our way that of movie theater you remember it's like i've never been to that place before it's just like i hadn't been there in like 15 years and all i remember was that there was an ikea and there was a like an ice skating rink uh it was a little more lively when we went um so it was at least i i guess it was a nice location to go i mean it it's it's kind of um like similar to like the, the plot itself within the movie that we watched um yeah so we only found out maybe about two three weeks ago that um the movie for yuru camp uh, the little camping anime that both Jason and I really, really, really love uh, was going to finally air in and premiere in Hong Kong. So it, it took a while to find time within both of our schedules, like for myself, not just only doing work, but also figuring out and planning stuff for my trip to North America. Jason just basically got hit with a bunch of work that he needed to do as well. But we did manage to find ourselves still by two the way, hours, a bunch of yeah. work. Yeah, but yeah, two hours that we were able to de devote just to watching the Eurocamp movie, and uh, suffice to say, it was a it was a really good movie. Uh, now, from my opinion, it was definitely worth watching. Um, it, it didn't have as much of that sort of fluffy alert that you know most people would con you know connect to to Eurocamp 
both season one and season two, or waiting for season three to come out soon. Um, oh yeah, we should probably talk about that. Much. Sorry, sorry, we should talk about that for news. We forgot about that, but yes, yeah. Uh, go on. Sorry, Will, I interrupted you. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, from from you, I think you were like, this probably would have been. This is still good, but it would have been better if maybe it was like a mini series, like maybe like spread across six episodes, as opposed to being a whole two hour movie. So. Yuru Camp, Laid Back Camp, is probably one of the top pinnacle echelon of fluffy slice of life anime. And I'm kind of hesitant to talk about the premise of the movie because I think that is kind of a very interesting revelation when you find out. Obviously, Willa and I knew of the revelation before we watched the movie. But if you want to go in cold, which... I think if you were to go in cold, I think it would be pretty. Uh, it would be a pretty nice surprise. I think is what I, all I'll say about it. But uh, beyond the premise, I do think it drags on quite a bit. I mean, at two hours, I mean, I remember you and I will like in the very beginning, like the first 30, 40 minutes was like we were like on cloud nine. There was all these callbacks, whatnot. We were like, ah. Laid back camp, Yuru camp, hell yeah. Then there was like this middle section where like we were just, I think at one point we were both like staring at our phones for like, not like obsessively, but like kind of being like, how much time has passed? Like kind of like, and and, and the, the plot was like waffling a bit. And then like, I guess the last third, it, it really picked back up and it ended up being pretty like really good. So yeah, that's how I feel. Do you agree with that? No, I agree. No, I think like like you said, right? I was looking at my watch, not so much to be like, mm, I really wish they would end. It's more just like this. This middle part is kind of taking a bit long to, you know, really reveal like what the whole purpose of this movie is. And when you get to the last thirty minutes, you're like, okay, this was all worth it. I very much enjoyed the experience of watching Eurocamp the movie in the cinema, but it it might have been better to maybe watch it on like a week to week basis or just wait for like, you know, if it was to be formatted in six episodes, wait for it all to come out and then you can binge it in your own time. You know, watch two episodes here, watch something else, go back to watching another two episodes here, watch something else and then just finish off uh, the last two episodes. Um, overall though, I, 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 I applaud uh, the Eurocat movie. I, I very much enjoyed it. I think, I think I gave it an eight out of 10. I also gave it an eight out of 10. I do think it falls short of, making it like a a great Yuru camp entry but it is still the same crew it is still cutesy and fluffy and comedic beats and it's just real nice to to sort of yeah get back into the swing of things yeah and you know speaking of getting back into the swing of things too right so a week after i flew out um so this is like several weeks already after we finished doing our last recording um, there was a, a, a new announcement um, of the presses after um, you know the film had come out that uh, the manga is going to be getting a third anime season. Uh, so um, more Eurocap, I, I, I'd say. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. What it's going to cover, though, it's still very much like uh, who knows. This yeah. is a point, like you said, where it might just be good to just not read any more and wait for the thing to drop and then afterwards just be blown away or just have that discussion about like, hmm, 
I felt this that I, th- I felt this way about the season. I felt that way about the season. Um, I'm just gonna go in blind. Yeah, one thing that I'm quite curious about is they came out with an illustration to announce the third season, which a lot of animes do, and it is a bit cryptic, which I also think is by design. And obviously, when there's more promotional material towards the release, I'm sure more revelations about what season three is about will be you know more clear unfortunately that begs the question of if it goes down the way that at least i think will and i suspect it will the movie is kind of important but maybe not like mandatory do you know what i'm trying to say like it's it's in this weird we we literally do not know right like we only know so much from the announcement from what we watch from the movie Uh, we can only speculate at this point but Hey, late back camp, third season, late back camp movie, awesome. Now, the next two bits of news we have, I think it, it's basically a two-parter there because they're actually both in, they're both related. Um, let's let's lay on the first one here. So uh, there is a, a novel series called The Most Heretical Last Bossed Queen from Villainous to Savior. Um, so there was an announcement, I think um, two weeks ago. No, actually just under three weeks ago, uh, that uh, this particular NetAlpha series is going to get an anime adaptation premiering next year in July 2023. And that uh, MBS has just released a, a teaser trailer uh, for this particular series. So it's kind of focused on uh, a, a young person who got reincarnated, destined to be a, a wicked queen, and also the final boss of the Tome game. Uh, hilariousness ensues, and uh, yeah. That's about all I really know about this. So, uh, have, have you have you like have you read the light novel? Or do you know much about the series itself? Oh, do I? Uh, for our episode uh, BP twelve, will that we released on November eighth, but we recorded like ages ages ago. I think it was like almost a month. I think it was like ne- either the start of October or so, or the end of September, somewhere there. Like we recorded this. Mm-hmm. And the hilari- the hilarious thing is I directly said this manga adaptation, you know, based on the light novel, but I read the manga. There was two volumes, and I was like, this shit is good. Like, I don't understand why people don't, like, pay attention to it. And literally during that time when we released BP-12, they announced the anime adaptation, and I was just like, guys, why you do this? Like... It makes me look like an idiot. I should have released it sooner and make me look like a prophet. But unfortunately, that's where as much of a good news that is, there is unfortunately a bit of sad news because yep. the second... This was, this was just announced uh, last week. Yep. Which is the manga adaptation, the most heretical last boss queen from Villainous to Savior, which I read two volumes of. Really love it. Seven Seas Entertainment, I think, released it. It is great, uh, but it is now canceled due to the author's poor health. Uh, that's essentially it, really. Uh, I think that the light novels still might be continuing, but either the manga will have like serialization in some form, but they are not have any concrete plans yet. But obviously, the light novel will continue on, 
And uh, it is just really unfortunate that uh, it has come to this because I do think that there are more people that read manga than light novels, even though I don't think that is like a, a, a right way or anything. I just think more people are more exposed to manga, really. That's it. And yeah. it's a really good yeah. manga, drawn very well, actually. So extra sad on that part. Yeah. So the mangaka uh, Bunko Matsuura, we hope you uh, you know find time to you know take care of your health. Don't worry about it. I'm sure you really left a good impression on many of people um, across the the weeb sphere. So hey, like just just fo- focus on you. Yeah. Do, do what do what's best for yourself. And uh, if you can support by buying uh, the manga, the digital manga by Seven Seas Entertainment to show sort of your support and things like that. It's a really good manga. I really I think I gave it an a nine out eight point five or a nine out of ten essentially. Uh it's a really good villainous isekai manga. So that is the end of those two new stories. But Will, let's uh Yeah. This this one's gonna be a bit uh tough to discuss because um we don't want to get too sort of political, too sort of anti capitalist and whatnot, but um uh, we we got to talk about it. Um, so um, I'm sure everybody has uh, seen the the shit storm that's been kicked up over in the Twitter sphere um, after the new CEO, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Elon Musk, has gone around and uh, not exactly made Twitter um, the best of places to be at the moment. Um, so um, yeah, that just means you know loads and loads of people are doing more and more tweets, um, sort of just you know bashing the platform, bashing Elon. Just, Seeing this and that, um, and that hasn't like, that that has also extended within the world of anime and manga. So, uh, the, the magical girl site manga creator Kentaro Sato uh, is now essentially pressing for royalties to come from Elon Musk because, in his words, quote unquote, Twitter's new CEO Elon Musk has been posting posting my drawings without permission, so at like a usage fee of one billion in dollars. End quote. That's a whole lot of money. That's a lot of money. One billion dollars. Now let's not forget that he did buy Twitter for forty-three billion dollars not too long ago. Maybe you know, maybe Mr. Mr. Kentaro Sato just wants a piece of the pie. So Magical Girls site, I actually read the first couple of volumes, and uh if you think Madoka Magica is edgy and dark, uh Magical Girls site basically grabs Madoka Magica and and uh kicks it to the curb and then curb stomps it like edward norton in that one movie like real bad uh magical girl site is very brutal and just very unrelenting so to use it as the meme if you go on twitter and look at the meme i thought it was a very appropriate meme i thought it was also very funny to be like yo one billion guys come on elon you can do that right i mean you purchased it what for like what uh, purchase Twitter for like what forty four? You can spare like one out of forty four, right? Why? Well, I mean, like you know, with what Elon's been doing with the whole advertiser platform on Twitter, and also trying to you know do that you know one step, two step, double step verification uh, process. Um, it it would be remiss to not just poke a little bit of fun in the in the sense that hey, this this kind of would be you know copyright violation. So um. I think Zato's well within his right to at least Egemon, you know, yeah. screw up, you know, a little bit of beef in the in the Twitter sphere. Um, and like I said, right, Elon's a rich boy. He can he can spare some money. 
Um, I just find I, it I, funny, I think, you know, because it's memes, it right? Is, it's fucking hilarious. It, I mean, like, you know, we 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 know what a, how how trolly the world of Twitter can be, and if this isn't like an ultimate troll from the atmosphere, like, I don't I don't know what it is. So, um, props to you, Sasa, for standing up against the man and uh, trying to get what's worth uh, what, what's yours. Uh, for what it's worth, there seems to be some sort of discussion of using memes that are you know using images from other people's works and that being a copyright violation at that point like we start getting into this weird kind of um yeah like, like the creative whole comments use, intellectual property exactly. it, 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 it's a very very gray area like a trans like we're, we're not experts in it we, we yeah i think that's the term we, we, Right. We yeah. We we don't really want to get that deep into it just just because you and I aren't that versed within copyright law and all that. So yeah, we're not lawyers. You know, think, yeah, definitely not. So we'll leave it at that and uh, maybe move on to the next bit of news, which actually when Jason brought it on to me, uh, is is both like what the fuck and also holy fuck, this is actually fucking hilarious. Also very um, timely, and you'll understand why when you've later. So yeah, stick to the end. Stick to the end of this episode. So. VR, well, virtual reality is quite a important emerging technology, whether or not it is here to stay or not. It's big, you know, there's there's like what? There's like the Vive, right? Which is the one... The Vive, the Oculus, or whatever the Oculus is now called. Uh, let's just say that there's always people trying to push the boundaries of what reality is, whether it is... In the augmented realm, whether it's in the virtual realm, whether it's in the meta realm, uh, all, that's a whole different thing we don't want to talk about. All predicted by a 2008 anime called Dena Coil. But hey, you know what? Like, let's just leave. leave. Although it was 2006. It was 2006. Shit. It's a long time long ago. Long time ago. But um, Paul, you should definitely check it out. Dena was great. Yeah, you should. So Palmer, Palmer Lucky, who is, I think, the head of Oculus. and yeah, I the th- founder of Oculus. And yeah. I think got purchased by... Facebook slash Meta is that Meta, correct? Yeah. Right. That's correct. Yes. Which is also like another shitstorm over there. But let's talk about why this uh, is relevant. Is because the guy came out and said, "Yo, um, you know that uh, Nerve is it called Nerve Gear that uh the Nerve Gear that that like Sao uses sort out online. You know that anime that is like really really popular. So um." We made it, kind of. Yeah. We're and, halfway and, and there. And what's great as well is that he made this announcement uh, on November 6th, uh, which is the date that the the fictional sort of online VR MMORPG actually launched within the series universe. Um, so the dude created a VR headset that can actually kill you. Like, dude, like... Oh, it's like... It's, 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 it's funny, but holy fuck. Fuck, that is so dark, That's, you know? Like, yeah. And do, there actually are, like, renderings, like, on the internet of what this Nerve Gear would look like in real life. And it, it's, like, it's it's funny. <laughs> the guy's, like, the good news is that we're halfway to making the true Nerve Gear. The bad news is I've only figured out the part that actually kills you. Um, I'm not quite sure how the VR part works yet, but, uh, you know, we're still a couple years away. Um, yeah, the whole point of this is that if you die in the game, you die in real life, which is, like, you know, reference from the anime uh um for th- it's, it's a bit too close to reality yeah and for those that are not familiar with sort of how, like how this is sort of 
how this works in terms of the nerve gear. Think of it like when you saw the Matrix movie and then they get plugged out before they get uh like what do you call it? Like their their mind gets when they when they when they when their mind resynchronizes with their body, right? right? When they leave the matrix or when they die in the matrix. Right. Basically when you pull the needle out from the back of their heads before they jacked out, I think is the technical term. Uh in Jack, yeah. Uh they die, right? So this is essentially that, which is kind of like as Will said, both hilarious and fucked up in so many ways. Like Hey man, dark dark humor. I mean, it's it's more dark than humor, but I I'm I'm laughing. So I I, I enjoyed reading that. Whether or not someone actually is going to put that on, um just a health warning, um don't do it. Or don't do it just, just yet. Like make sure the firmware is up to date. Make sure that you have ad block or whatever. Or I don't know. Sign all the releases. Get out your NDAs and all that. Yeah, make like, sure Norton make antivirus sure fully... is uh, yeah. a latest edition. <laughs> Bruh, like I hate Norton antivirus. I hate any antivirus. McAvee and all that. No, stop it. I don't. I don't want any more updates telling me I need to purchase your next plan. Um. So yeah. Um. There are some crazy ass people out there who um are just you know. 360 no scope mindset just just thinking about rather than watching anime about headsets that can kill you why don't we just make the damn headset itself yeah like hey forget about let's trying to make a lot of other possible things that exist in anime that would be crazy good that benefits and furthers mankind in a in like a very positive way i mean you could you could say that like vr in many ways can be very positive, right? But instead of all the things you decided to say, you decided to kind of throw like an April Fool's joke kind of black humor statement, but obviously not on April Fool's. I don't know, man. Like people people in the people in the know will really really enjoy the update, but it, on initial observation from like the, the the unwary person like they'll just be like this is a really really fucked up article this is a really fucked up world and yeah but let's not shy away from the fact that yes it is kind of fucked up but it's also kind of fucking hilarious too it's a troll hundred um, percent very much so um we're we're about to wrap up our news section um but you know the next bit we're going to be going over is is actually a little bit uh, upsetting um not just you know for the viewers but also for the uh, for the studios and for the 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 families that are connected uh, to this particular property. Um, so if you have heard, um, you know, both Jason and I talking about Golden Kamui, you both, you'll know that, at least from my perspective, uh, Golden Kamui is a very wonderful manga series, very wonderful anime series, and they had just been going through their fourth season. Um, unfortunately, um, there has been a bit of tragic news um, due to one of the main staff members who actually uh, passed away fairly recently. And they were very much deemed indispensable to the, the production studio. So the committee decided that rather than going on with the show, they're going to pull all the stops and delay uh, the release of any further episodes uh, after some discussion. Um, so it does mean now that the release of the Blu-rays and DVDs will need to be rescheduled. Um, there has been announcements for sort of new airing dates, new release dates for home releases, um, but only when they decide that they're comfortable going forward with it. At this very moment, uh, they'd much rather pay their respects to the member who passed away and the families and the friends who are going through this this pain, this suffering at this moment. 
Um, the only thing we can do on our end is to, you know, send our best wishes and hope that, you know, the families and the friends, people who are connected to this, uh, this member, um, that they find some solace during this time. Yeah. Condolences. But, uh, just to be clear, uh, episode, the second half of the curse. So episode six to 12 of the fourth season, which is episodes 43 to 49 of the whole Golden Kamui anime has been delayed. Uh, I don't think they have announced really a date, and um, that is they're just going to wait until there's a right time to talk about it, and that time unfortunately is still not now. Um, so yeah, there there has been an, an effect on the rest of the anime series, but it's it's for a very good reason, um, and I think that you know to be able to to, to focus on and, and and cherish the memory of this staff member who passed away that would be the most important thing at this stage. So uh, I think it's coming back. But I think having kind of a pause given the situation is an extremely appropriate and necessary thing just for everyone, really. I mean, it's the, it's the right move. Yeah. Like, it's just the right move. That's that. That's it. I mean, it sucks, I guess, for the consumer as well, if you think about it from that perspective. But also, like, dude, like, come on, like. You can't expect the studio just to continue working with what's been going on, right? Like, forget about the fact that this member was, quote, as indispensable to the studio. I think, like, this is, like, a, a period of grief, you know, a period of, of healing that is, is needed. And, um, you know, we've all been through hell over the last two and a half, three years just from COVID alone. So the last thing we want to say is get back to work. We don't know. No, absolutely do not do that. Yeah. And to play devil's advocate, you might say like, well, as a consumer, I kind of don't care that much. And I'm like, okay, fair. But think about it from a business perspective in terms of if you were to sort of soldier on and clearly this person has been labeled as indispensable by the production staff and the committee they if you if you say like yo crack the whip let's keep going you are going to lower morale you are going to maybe even produce something that you as the consumer would not enjoy so exactly like with the studio deeming this person as indispensable we we, we may not know like what lengths that indispensable nature is right they might actually be like very much hands-on with the production of the work but it might also be the fact that you're indispensable to the morale the drive of the studio itself and that person not being around anymore that is very much soul crushing so i think that we we need to take the the term here indispensable in a more grander more broad perspective and no matter how you see it whether you see it as you know you just want to continue watching more um, or, or Golden Kamui, or what do you feel that, you know, this is the right time for grief and for recovery, whatever the perspective is, it's a decision they've made, and they're going to stick by it, and the only thing we can do is respect the decision they've made. If it makes all you devil advocates out there feel any better, I'm sure someone somewhere crunched the numbers, proposed it in front of the committee to be like, yo, here is the situation, and if you take into consideration the sort of the Japanese way of doing things, it comes to no surprise to me that they wish to go, I guess, the more like human route, I guess, is, is the is the is the way to put it. And I agree with that statement as like that decision wholeheartedly. So uh yeah, I wish best of luck to Brainspace. Uh my condolences to those affected. 
And I hope Golden Kamui Season 4, whenever it comes back, comes back stronger than ever and continues to be a big, you know, like mark on the anime industry. Yeah. Now we're going to end off this new segment with a bit of uh, a bit of lighter news, a whole lot lighter in terms of um, the, the, the feel. Yeah. And um... I added this last minute because I just thought it was a cool kind of weird cool story and also because all the other news stories that we have been kind of touching on is either weird trolly dark humor or just outright like tragic right so this on the other hand is just like nostalgic wholesomeness um i'm sure everybody here knows about uh the the multimedia like megalith which is the monolith which is just Pokemon. Wait, wait, well, Pocket wait, Monsters. Oh, they're, oh, okay. I know Pocket Monsters. I don't know what this Pokemon thing is. So I don't see. It's a portmanteau. It's a shortened form of it, right? So right. Pokemon has been running for well over 25 years. I very much remember playing the old Pokemon games on my little Game Boy Color back when I was like five, six years old, maybe a little bit older. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, I don't want to get copyright yeah, but... claimed, but that first OP, English OP to be precise, is the best, like, childhood. Oh, my the, the God. The ever was, oh right? Oh, my God. <laughs> Just want to be... I mean, like, I... Oh, my God. There, there's, there's, there's no music. There's no background track running in the background. Like, I'm not saying the rest of the lyrics. I'm well within my right hey, to say those specific words. Well, you teach um, me and I teach you, right? That's all that matters, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, all that matters is you and me. All so, right. Ash so, Ketchum, um, which I... Over, uh, 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 yeah, that's the other thing too, right? It's still Ash Ketchum. He's still fucking 10 years old. Which, by the uh, way... I don't know how that works. I thought it was Ash Ketchum for, like, the longest fucking time. Okay? <laughs> and I even made that blunder. I made that blunder at one point somewhere... It, during like our our recent you, recordings, we did, we, yeah, you did you did record it back. I don't think you did it on purpose. I think you, it was just like a slip of the tongue. Yeah, so and, that's and then I corrected myself yeah. then, like right then and there. But it is true that just like how I discovered the meaning of uh, the Final Fantasy uh, popular revival item Phoenix Down, uh, I understood what that meant, like very very far into my life. Are you aware of mm-hmm. this, uh, Will? Yes. Yes. I did not yes. know because I thought, you know, Phoenix down. Down means, you know, you fall down and the Phoenix rises you up. But no, it's the down of the feather, like a down blanket. But I just never made the connection. So uh, I, I thought it was Ash Ketchup for the longest time. And he wears red. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Well, for the longest time as well, all, all, Ash, all Ash Ketchum did was just basically run around the world and catch Pokemon and make new friends, not knowing that, you know, from the very first episode, he was supposed to be the very best. And uh, 25 years later, he's only gone and done it. He is now officially one of the best, if not the best trainer in the world. Uh, he's he's finally made something of himself. Um, so uh, actually, the thing is, well, like, since he started this journey back in 1997 uh, in the Pokemon Indigo League series, uh, he actually then secured, this was actually over, yeah, 22 years later after that, in 2019, Ash Ketchum secured his first ever Pokemon League championship uh, in the Pokemon series Sun and Moon. Now, in the latest season called Pokemon Ultimate Journeys, the series, 
uh, he put himself to the test at the Pokemon World Coronation Series, uh, which was essentially a, represent- a culmination of all of Ash's adventures spanning over 25 years. And he finally won it. He finally became the top trainer across all of Kanto, across all of the world. Um, congratulations to Ash Ketchum. Yeah. Ooh. So clap, 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 clap. Uh, sticklers might say, well, he has won championships in the past. I'm like, okay, fine. Yes. Okay, good. Uh, I'm sure you can name all of them. Congratulations. Uh, but this one is extra kind of important because it's kind of like a culmination of all these different kind of champions and stuff. So it's kind of like the world. It's like the cream of the crop, the cream of the crop. And to win that, I mean, of course he's going to win it probably. I mean, I thought about saying spoilers, but like, come on guys, like, come on. Okay. I also, also like the image they used of him holding up the trophy. I only recognize like four of the Pokemon granted because, you know, Three of them are from the first generation, and then the other one was because, well, one of them is Lucario, and he, he, it, she, um, I don't know what the gender of the Pokemon is. Um, they made an appearance in the most recent Super Smash Brothers um, game on Switch. I have no idea who the other two Pokemon are. Oh, though. the Fencer they, they, one? Yeah, she, he is yeah, the, there's he's that, the Evolution there's that one. Duck. He is the oh, Farfetched? He's Farfetched Evolution. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then what's the thing behind him? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, dude, on that one. It, it, yeah. I you got Dragonite, you uh, got Gengar, hey. you know. Huh? Yeah, Gengar, Dragonite, Pikachu, Lucario, um, Farfetch'd evolution form. Um, but yeah, uh, fictional congratulations to fictional Pokemon trainer. Hooray, Ash Ketchum, finally, world's top trainer, 25 years. Um, never thought I'd say that. Never actually thought I would actually fucking say that. So, Will, uh, what is the rival's name? childhood Gary oh there you okay okay all right I mean that should that's not a hard question but do you remember Gary's first Pokemon uh oh shit I actually don't remember Ratatat I think oh I think was it was it shit who knows who knows I don't know Charizard is in there somewhere I guess I don't know I, I mean, like, it, it, I guess it goes. It's it's how you go about the game, right? If you, you, you're talking from the game perspective, then you know Gary just you know picks whatever is stronger against whatever starter Pokemon you pick. Um, but if it's by the TV series, bro, like I haven't watched that shit in fucking like twenty years. I don't know. Oh uh, yeah, don't hold me to the Ratatat thing. I I, I think I might. I, there's a good chance I'm wrong. But congratulations to at to the fictional Ash Ketchum, uh, for winning. Uh being the winningest top tr- the most winningest the, the 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 very best um and i think i think that that's that's where we'll leave it right like there's no need to to toot his horn anymore i'm sure he's going to go and fictionally enjoy his fictional trophy what do you think you do at that point uh, well after this i don't i don't know like, but turn at the 11 same time, it's like i don't know do at the same time it's like the, the pokemon company is just going to continue milking this too right so who knows maybe in you know another 25 years he finally decides to win another championship who who the hell knows i need to someone fair, though, it's also who like watched that uh was it a uh, bump of chicken uh music video oh, that, with a pokemon oh, that, um, and then the music ex- video and yeah. explain to me the significance of like all of this cuz i get it but i don't get it get it you know what i mean like I think it's mostly just people going through like that sort of like 
trip through nostalgia but at the same time like you said right there are like certain references in there that you and i just do not understand or had just missed so hey we, we were just too old to know what the fuck we're supposed to be, be able to see yep so yep i think that wraps I, I think, up yeah we, we we might just go straight into it now then right like i i, I know that wow, we're only 47 just through minutes. the news section I mean, yeah, we, we only just got through the news, but I think we can probably just power on. Right? I, uh, I mean, it is, you know, can a, I take a short like five minute break? I just like I, I literally yeah. just need to go to the bathroom and uh, sure. I'll, I'll go ahead and make a coffee as well. It, it, it's 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 10 o'clock in the evening. Yeah, over here you're on this side, you're so. soldiering on my bro. Like, fuck, dude. Jesus. All right. So that puts an end to the first half of today's recording, uh, this day's episode. We will be back after our, you know, our coffee slash bathroom breaks, and then we will be going into today's topic, uh, which if you haven't seen already on whatever uh, podcast player you're using, uh, we are going to be revisiting the Gotta Watch Em All series. So stay tuned. We'll oh, catch you back side in the note, second half. I also want to use our break music because I felt bad we haven't used it in a bit, so... There's also all right. that. So, all right. Our break music in three, two, one. And we are back for the second half of today's episode of the Good Anime Palette Podcast. As a reminder, we are on episode 47. Both Jason and I are now refueled, have had our bathroom breaks, and we're ready to crack on with today's main discussion. So, Jason, it's been a while since we've, uh, as always, been a long, 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 long time since we talked about Gotta Watch Them All, namely the JoJo Bizarre Adventure series, as well as the Monogatari series. So are you ready to talk more about Stardust Crusaders and the final season of the Monogatari series? Absolutely. So uh, just so you guys know, as per usual... We will have non-spoiler sections for JoJo and then Monogatari or Monogatari and then JoJo. And then we will have spoiler sections for each. Everything will be timestamped and we will have like, I don't know, a couple seconds of silence before we get into the spoiler section. Just so that if you accidentally clicked on that timestamp, there is like a couple of seconds to revert back to the, you know, like a non-spoilery state. So you can either join us after or along the ride as you listen. So so should we go into JoJo first or should we do sure. Monogatari first? Let's do JoJo then. Okay, cool. Um, so as we left off, uh, uh, as, as I recall, um, you had a bit of a scheduling issue, uh, mostly because work was really, really on your ass uh, during that time. So you actually weren't able to finish up um, the, the first half of JoJo or season one of JoJo part three. Um, so I think for today's recording, you're going to be going over uh, what was left over from that first half and then going into the second half, uh, which is uh, subtitled as Battle in Egypt, uh, that part of uh, JoJo, right? Right. So uh, ba- uh, Stardust Crusaders is four curs, and then they split it into season one and two, season two being Battle to Egypt or Battle in Egypt. I don't know. Battle in so- Egypt, I think. Battle in Egypt, yeah. Right. And... Uh, Obviously, it takes place in Egypt. Duh. But uh, I only managed to finish half of season two of part three. So now I finished all of part three, Stardust Crusaders. We thought about me starting a bit of part four, but 
I didn't want to do that. So I, I wanted to reset it. So then the next time you listen, it's like back to part four. Yeah, just so that we can, you know, get everything back in order again. And I think that's the right decision. Um, to be fair as well, right? Even if you were to catch up on just part three and the rest of like the the, the second season of it, there that's it's still a lot of anime. I mean, in total, right? Like four curves, forty eight episodes. That's a lot of shit you need to watch. Well, I only watched um twelve, but yeah, it was a lot. And I think that uh you know multi cur JoJo is gonna continue to go so. You got to take your time, you know, keep a relaxed pace as much as as as, as best you can cannot get burned out by the Jojo fire because okay, let's talk about how I feel non-spoiler about Jojo part 3 season 2 part 2 and I guess all of season 3. <laughs> I don't fucking know. It's it's a clusterfuck. The second the half of play, Battle to Egypt. Is, we're, we're we're talking about Stardust Crusaders. You're, yes. you're you're finally like finished with the whole damn thing now. You've seen some crazy shit, some kind of questionable shit in the first half. You then got introduced to Iggy, one of the new party members, um, in the beginning of Battle in Egypt, and now you're finished. You're in now in the end game of Stardust Crusaders. What are your th- overall thoughts on a non-spoiler perspective? So, before I get to that, I just want to confirm with you, Will. Iggy is voiced by a woman, right? But is a yes. dude. I think so. But okay. I think it's also like, I mean, it, it's it's a dog. It doesn't it doesn't really matter whether doesn't or not really like, matter. It's, it's voiced by male, female, or anything in between. Um, I I just thought that Iggy's a dope ass character. So let's start with what I really like about the last like quarter of what I saw of Part Three, which is. The battles continue to be very entertaining, and a lot of the quote-unquote bizarreness continues to escalate, and in fact, I would say escalates even further to the grand battle, which takes place, as you might suspect, who the big bad is. Uh, I don't really think I need to spoil it or really say it's a spoiler, but... Come on, it's the big bad of JoJo, right? It's it, the... it's like even if you don't know about the series itself, you've seen the memes. It's yep. circling around the internet. You I'll know just damn say well it. what's about to happen. It's Dio, okay? Look, it's oh, Dio. No. Oh god. Dio this. It's futile to escape this piece of information, this nugget this of must, knowledge. This this must be the work of an enemy stand. Exactly. So I think that the characters that i had an issue with with for example with iggy with avdol uh and uh kakoin and i mean you also had you also had some uh some issues with uh jotaro as well right exactly uh, jotaro right you 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 were very very passionate about your issues with the first half of Stardust Crusaders, um, yeah. and then of course in the previous recording for the G A uh, G W E A, I think that was like the fourth iteration for it. I think you kind of you know took your foot off the gas a little bit, but you still held on to a, a few things. You're like, hmm, they didn't really need to do this. I still feel that there's certain things that are a little bit insensitive, or perhaps could have had some reconsider re, like reconsiderations. But understand that if this is the source, then what can you really do? You just have to, you know, either accept it or not accept it. 
So I will say that what I feel about Jotaro, like namely his delinquent nature, is basically gone in terms of he still is a delinquent and still is like this cold stoic person. But the problems that I had basically about the way he treats certain people has largely pretty much been eliminated and gone. So that's great. Like he, and, he grew the fuck up real fast. And the things that I love about Jotaro ends up just being the thing that is left, which is great. And a lot of the characters really fulfill like sort of the archetype that they're kind of destined to, to, to sort of be. So I quite like that. I also, it relieved my sort of concern about stakes, like consequences. Mm. And I alluded in like the first half of Battle in Egypt that there were consequences that were starting to show up. And it was in a way refreshing to know that uh, that kind of risk and reward, that kind of, you know, the edge of your seat stake matters and I would say now matters way, way more. Like you uh, don't, you don't just get away with anything, right? Like there, there are, of course, going to be consequences to your actions. I also predicted. I mean, it's not that hard. That like Dio's power is gonna be like fucking insane, and it turns out I was half right. It is still quite insane, just not as insane as I thought, because obviously you cannot make it crazy. So I was quite. Uh, interested and surprised and pleasantly happy at the reveal of what Deal's powers were. And I think it really wraps up a lot of part three on a very positive note where I had a lot of qualms with. Yeah, so it, it was very clear, right? First half, you, you, you just look by the Mal score, right, on my anime list. Uh, not even like you know taking into account like your score and your perspective, very very clearly. Part one, uh, the se- season one of part three and season two of part three, very very like wide disparity in terms of its score. Like much much higher ratings for the second half as opposed to the first half. Even though as a whole, part three was a very very enjoyable uh, part of the JoJo verse. Um, in in your opinion, it, it it seems to kind of follow that trajectory as well, right? Like you had your 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 issues with the first half. You still enjoyed it, but there was definitely things where you're like, they didn't need to do this. I'm very not okay with this part, and it's less so in the second half. And in fact, you're focusing more on the the things that are fun and truly bizarre about the series. Yeah, and uh, I just think it wrapped up pretty well. So. And that's where I will now talk about the not good things. The first... Okay, okay, sorry. Before that, uh, I think certain characters, their character developments were actually fantastic. I think Iggy, Pomeroff, uh Dude, I fucking love Iggy. Pomeroff was great too. But I think, like, if, if I had to give, like, a, a good shout-out as well, Kakuin, like, definitely shines quite late on the series. Like, uh, very, very different... Um, characterizations compared to the first half because the first half he was kind of like this uh he was a gentleman no he was a dick first yeah uh, and a womanizer then became kind of like the the level-headed person like the but the least interesting because he's level-headed shoes yep and then uh it, it is nice to sort of see sort of the development of 
all of these characters, including Avdol, even though I say Avdol is the weakest of all of them in terms of the, the character development. Um, but, okay. So, yeah, where, where, where are the cracks? Where are the things that you're like, hmm, there's still this lingering issue with JoJo? I or thought... Or this part of... At least within part three. I thought the ending battle... Oh, sorry. The end of the ending battle, the grand battle with Dio, the end of that was really stupid. Like, really stupid. Like, not even, like, JoJo <laughs> stupid. Like... Because there, there were a lot of end endings to that particular battle. So um, I think I know which one you're talking about, but we will definitely discuss it during the spoiler section. Um, I half agree. I, I I see the ridiculousness in terms of like this is absolutely fucking stupid. I don't know how this even works. Um, but at the same time, it's 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 a bizarre adventure. That, oh that's yeah, that's just how it is, right? I, I understand that, right? And uh, I also think that the logic gap of some of these battles, how they played out, was really bad. In that, um, I don't think the battles were bad, to be precise. But I think there were, like, certain kind of, like, uh, mini twists that's like, oh, ho, you didn't predict this, or you didn't do this. And I'm just like, nah, I kind of would have, but I guess you guys didn't write that in. Or I could have, even if I didn't know, like, sort of, quote, unquote, the answer to how they over the, the, the JoJo's and the, the whole gang overcame you know, a certain villain or deal or whatnot. I thought that there were certain things that happened that I was just like, I would not do that. I don't think anyone would do that, but I guess it's JoJo. So do, do you think it's a, a case of like, I don't care how you do it, just do it? No, uh, I mean, I, I, I think I can get into spoilers about it, but uh, mm, mm, I, okay. will, I will say the first major battle that I saw involves Iggy. And I okay, that's nothing bad actually. That's something that I thought was awesome, right? Um, but that was the big that that was like the first couple episodes that you got into when you restarted part three, right? So I think I know which battle that you're talking about. Yeah, and I was hyped about it. It was great, and then it was uh, a good ass battle too. It was a really good battle. Then there were let's say a set of brothers, and I talked about one of the brothers last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, gotta watch them all, which is technically part of this quarter is just i watched a little bit ahead the the second brother is equally as entertaining and pretty good as well and contains a lot of meme-tastic stuff but there are certain other villains particularly one that uh has some copyright infringement type of name which mm -hmm. is very obvious because they say the name in Japanese, I mean that's just like that, that, that's just an issue. Yeah, that's just an issue that's played throughout all of JoJo. Right, um, none more so because they, they introduce a lot of characters in part three. So there's going to be a lot of like gray area, not even gray area. It's just straight up like you're just saying the damn name now. Yeah, and it's funny because the subtitles clearly did not say that name, but say no, a variation of it, which I understand. Like I get, in fact, that was a huge issue with another future part of jojo like the adaptation mm -hmm. like they had to change the names so i understand that right but it's that villain in particular i thought was was it first of all that that villain wrecked shit and then the way it kind of resolved was kind of sus but i did mm -hmm. like everything leading up to it i really did 
And um, I also thought, like, it was just a bit... <sighs> I really did not like the end of that final battle with Dio. I really didn't like it. It left a very sour taste. And then what happened afterwards was also like a very um it's like a it, it reminded me oh this is gonna sound really bad i'm really sorry guys but it sounded it's it's like the bleach power cycle yeah and i just didn't think it, i didn't buy into it i i didn't the, the one the, the the one thing i will say as well and this kind of you know like tags along what you said about the the ending of part three is that i also felt i mean you felt the same too with with the ending of part two that it was just like what the fuck how did this happen why is this happening this just feels kind of out of place in fact like whilst i still feel that part one was the weakest out of all of jojo the ending was actually really really damn good absolutely Season two yeah part two the ending was why and I... then and then the third season and then the third part the ending was how like what's going on um but I, I think like it doesn't take away too much from the overall enjoyment of part three. Like it still stands to me that like part three is one of my favorite. Well, not really. When I say one of my favorite, it's just, there's not that many to pick from right now, right? So I, I'd say it, it progressively gets better. You know, you had your part one, you had your part two, part three. Definitely, like it kicks the door open. It's like this is truly the bizarre, the the, the bizarreness of of this whole adventure, um, and. Yeah, I'm I'm keen to hear like at least you know what your what your score is though. Like, you wanted to sort of give a score to part one, to season one of part three, season two of part three, and then overall how you would rate part three. I let me double check my scores first. I I gave part two essentially an eight. It was I I think at one point I said it was an 8.5 close to a 9 if it would stick so the cusp, landing. On, on the cusp, right? It, I think that's what I said last time. I still stand by how I felt at that time. It's uh, still a great score, to be fair. Yeah, of course, it's still a, it's still a great score. Uh, I just don't think that... Again, I maybe I'm being nitpicky, but when everything else was pretty... was very good, or at least JoJo-esque, right? And now I am sort of like on that hype train... It just kind of was left a sour taste at the very, very end. Like maybe it's not a big deal, I'm, but to I'm, me it I'm, was. I'm almost, I'm almost as current as can be with with JoJo, and to this day, I still feel that some of the fights, some of the battles in Part Three, were my favorite. So, I, I, I understand like I guess the quote unquote pain that you have to go through in terms of summarizing Part Three, and that there was so many crazy moments, so many enjoyable moments, so many head scratching what the fuck moments. But the ending does leave a little bit to be desired, and it's just that I would agree. Like, if you were to drag the score down a little bit based on that, that's completely like fine. That's completely applicable. And I think the battles with the with each of the two brothers that I'm talking about is the best, and it is actually one that is not really battle oriented in the traditional sense. And that's why I really like it because it kind of is designed in such a way that really turns your normal kind of fights, physical bouts on its head. And I thought it was really cool. There were a lot of interesting callbacks with the second with the second uh, sibling, the brother, and uh, 
I was just very happy with that end. It was just great. And uh, the OP kind of like second to last villain was kind of like really cool. And then it turned out to be okay. That that That's really it. Uh, without Overall, getting into though, spoilers. Uh, fun fun time, right? I mean, Absolutely. I think you like you, you texted me the day when you were like, I'm I'm like back onto the JoJo train. Um yeah, no, nothing's changed. It's still hilarious, it's still uh complete chaos. I'm here for the ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I still think overall part three is in many ways what people consider to be the quote-unquote beginning of JoJo, right? It's not the beginning, but it's where stands come in. It's where Jotaro is sort of referenced nonstop and everyone adores him. And I am now very much, uh, I like uh, Joseph a lot, Grandpa Joseph to be precise. But Joseph Joestar is fucking great, yeah. But, but Joe Jotaro is pretty damn solid too. So uh, uh, I'm pretty satisfied just not ecstatic you know what i mean yeah well i mean you still got seasons uh, parts four or five and beyond to look forward to so hopefully those will be able to carry that momentum for you oh one last thing which is i'm not sure but i think i watched through all the way to the end of uh the last episode and usually they kind of reference the next part and either I missed it, so I might have to go back and check. But I don't think they really talked about it. No, no, they don't. Because it's a because. I'll, because at the I'll, end, I'll of, talk about it. Yeah, I'll, let's talk about that part in the in the spoiler because it actually is kind of a spoiler. Okay, all I will say is the part that precedes it, which I think is a uh, part two battle tendency, right? Which is. Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, the the first season, uh, it's like it's really weird. But anyways, the 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 stinger, like the end credit scene, references Stardust Crusader. So I was expecting, all right, let's get ready, let's get ready for the next and, part. And, and to be fair, that that preview clip at the end of Valtensis was fucking lit. Like was, that was awesome. Like, like you didn't know like, what the fuck was going on, but you you knew something was going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm glad that you're you're very much you know part of this JoJo journey, and uh, I'm I'm really excited to hear what you have to say for Diamond is Unbreakable for which is part four of uh, the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure series. All right, so uh, Will, actually, do you want to go into non-spoiler for Monogatari, or do you want to go into spoiler for JoJo? Because I just realized, even though earlier, right after the break, I said non-spoiler, non-spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. I think. There is an argument. Here, here's here's the thing with 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 Monogatari, right? I think that because of how 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 deep into the series I am now, I'm literally in the final season, right? It's kind of hard to go into non-spoiler territory because it really isn't all that much to say without actually spoiling stuff. So let's actually, yeah, let, let's give it five seconds, and then we'll go into the spoiler section of JoJo Part Three. Okay, and then we'll go five seconds, and then. I'll just tell you everything I have to say about Monogatari, the final season. Okay, so just to be clear, we are now wrapping up non-spoiler for JoJo, and we are about to start spoilers for JoJo Part 3 in about five seconds, all right? Okay, so if you're listening now, that we are now proceeding on to the spoilers for JoJo Part 3, or uh, the at least the second half of Battle of Egypt that I watched so 
well, first of all, no extra credit scene. I already said that in the non-spoiler. I was a little bummed out, but that's not like a deal breaker, right? Um, not really. I think it's just because of the fact that if you if you were to see any of like the the preview clips or any like um, poster art or box art of part four, you'll you'll you notice immediately it is like a major departure, not just in terms of like story, but also in terms of art style. So I think that's probably why they don't have anything that is like a preview clip at the end of part three. Um, I think it's just basically one of those like. Just just wait until it comes out, and then you'll know the the the, the chaos and hilarity that'll ensue uh, in the future iterations of JoJo uh, Bizarre Adventure. I have to say, MVP though is uh, Palmeroff and Iggy, and I think Iggy takes the cake because the way that the battle with I guess it's called Pet Shop, right? Yeah, holy fuck, that bird is fucking badass. The uh, what a scary, scary guard bird yeah right? no because it, it's it's super not suspe- i mean anytime it's like whenever you watch anything right whether it's live action whether it's uh, a cartoon or whatnot if you see a bird on screen most of the time you know shit's about to go down and none more so oh than shit that did go fight down between pet shop and iggy holy fuck that was such a good fight the part where all of a sudden the floor is encased with ice iggy's foot gets caught and you're just thinking like the, the dude's done. Like, this is game over. Yeah. Like, bye um, bye, Iggy. The first time, like, he psyched us out with, uh, sort of basically the substitution jitsu, uh, I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I saw that coming from a mile away. But what I didn't see was him literally biting off his own leg. Like, that's insane. And then how that story wraps up. Uh, like how that battle like proceeds from there it just kept going and going and going and i don't know where it's gonna go and i literally thought he was gonna die then and there only to be saved by that one guy that saved that one kid that he saved and so it's like it's kind of like this kind of um like karma like uh, like the the cycle so that i thought that was pretty sweet and Mm -hmm. then kind of iggy's determination from that point onwards to be like guess what I'm not here for the fame. I'm not here because, like, I want to save the world. I just want to fucking wreck some shit because they fucked me up. So guess what? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? And I was just like, yeah, dog. I mean, literally, yeah, dog. Let's yeah. go, right? Um, I think Palmeroff, his sort of... uh. Like his character development, even within Battle of in Egypt, you know, with his sister and stuff, was it in the first half? I mean, or he very much starts off as a very immature, cocky motherfucker, right? Yeah, and now he, he the sort of trials and tribulations that he went through with Iggy during that fight with essentially Vanilla Ice, which I thought is like primo name but okay of, of all of all people to reference as one of the most badass antagonists in part three like dude vanilla ice is fucking killer i fucking love vanilla ice i mean damn that guy is a beast like that it was it was actually kind of it was actually kind of tough watching some of those fights because god damn like as much as it's like yes you you have your issues with Avdol and you didn't have the best of starts and you know these characters did take some time to kind of grow on you but damn like when when you saw the end of those characters 
I, I teared up a bit for Iggy. I felt really, really bad. And that's the thing. That was one thing I, I, I was talking to you about as well. It reminded me um, of Caesar. Yeah. No, basically every season there is always to be always going to be that one character that is so closely connected, not with Jojo, but with the with the viewers that you know that you can't get attached to. Because if you do, you're going to love their journey, but you're going to be crushed at the end of it. And I think Paul Moroff's basically being one of the few people that survived everything is like kind of like earned in a way because I feel like his character really developed from beginning to end, whereas Avdol literally just pieced out again, but this time for good. And yep. out of nowhere, okay, yes, it is he did it out of the kindness of his heart because he is someone that stands by values, ideal idealism and just kindness. But at the same time, he said, like, dude, guys, like, every man for himself, like, we're all trying to kill Dio, but fuck it. Like, if things, shit hits the fan, peace out. Like, no hard feelings, right? Like, we better, better all of us die, or better one of us live than all of us die, right? And then proceeds to go against it, right? And I was just like, okay. And then he died for real, and I was just like, okay. And... I thought he ends up being the weakest again. Like, it, yeah, I, I I I love Avdol, but at the same time, it's just I felt like he could have really gone the distance, and and the way that he kind of went out was 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 poetic, but it, it left a lot to be like desired as well. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about as well is you know with with Iggy, uh, and his his death in the in the in the series, you're kind of starting to see a trend with. Uh, Hirohiko Araki, um, the mangaka and the creator of uh, of JoJo, and how he treats um, how he treats dogs in the world of JoJo. Because remember, in the first season, uh, Dio throws a dog in a furnace yep. and burns it alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's not fun being a dog in JoJo. Dude, Vanilla Ice. I can't believe I can say this sentence with with <laughs> zero irony. Vanilla right? Ice no, kicks no relation, no connection whatsoever to real life IRL fucking like three music artists, you know, Ninja Turtle, Ninja Ninja Go, right? But he kicks the yeah. shit out of Iggy, dude. Like fucking, Goddamn. like that was like, like Peter should have seen that shit and being like, bro, like it was hard. It was really hard watching that. It was, and um, so let's go into the whole, uh enemies with the Darby brothers, right? I thought mm. it was the video game thing was awesome. I thought it was great. I loved it. The mind games, the meme of yes, 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 no, 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 no was great. How it resolved itself was great. I really had no qualms whatsoever. Nothing but good things to say about both of the Darby brothers in terms of their battle. And it was just so riveting, right? It's like Mario Kart and like the baseball game baseball game and it's just really good i like it and it is very easy to trick that younger darby brother i guess with uh joseph essentially using controlling rather than uh jotaro but at the yeah. same time that's like a very small qualm in what i would think was a pretty cool sequence overall right so yeah I, I think, like, amongst all the fights across, like, you know, the different parts of JoJo, like, part three definitely had some of the more unique 
like non-contact, non-physical fights that were also like the ones that stick out amongst the pantheon of all fights within JoJo. Um, if he ever even talked to any other JoJo fan, they'll they'll almost definitely reference some of the some of the the, the battles that take part uh, in Egypt for part three. Um, goddamn, like I, I mean, I'm still getting flashbacks from all those episodes, from all those fights that happens if if i was to rewatch part three i probably would still be able to enjoy it to the max it's it's a good time watching part three despite all the issues that happen within and it's just because because you know the series itself has issues it's not going to please everybody yeah and let's talk about my main concern with uh the second part of battle in egypt which is about the logic gap so with vanilla ice for example um the dude decapitated himself to sort of show loyalty and yet revived himself get by Dio. How can you not know that you're going to be a vampire? Fine. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll Fine. Okay. That's like, I'm starting from the least egregious to the most egregious. Then comes the random, like two faced, uh, vampire that is mm. in charge of being a hostage and then opening Dio's coffin that was kind of like very, very whatever as well. Uh, but again, like I get is a stand-in to sort of display Dio's powers, right, of manipulation of time. But then you did that with Palmeroff already. So it's just like, I don't know. But okay, that's already like not that egregious. Then we get into what I would like to call the Dragon Ball Z Matrix Revolution battle with Dio and Jotaro, which is still pretty well done, right? No, I I thought the fight was fantastic. It was awesome, and the but fact there were of course there, there were of course a lot of holes along the way. I thought it was pretty smart to lead um, Jotaro and uh, Dio to lead Jotaro back to Joseph's body. I thought that was mm. like that was like I did not see that coming. Actually, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. was a pretty cool thing. I thought the whole Dio sequence with that senator in that uh car running over those people just to display sort of like the ruthlessness of Dio and how much he doesn't give a shit I thought was awesome all right the moment he kills Dio okay first of all like the dude ends up being on there's like blue flames or something yeah there's a whole lot of fire yeah I'm like burn him and, like, also, like, before that, he was, like, Jotaro's like, oh, I don't want to show you any compassion. You're the person I will show least compassion to. But um, it will leave a sour taste in my mouth if I were to, like, hit you when you're down. I'm like, bro. Bro. Like, the, this guy did all these things for for to all your friends. Also, your entire family generation bloodlines throughout the eons. If you don't if he does if you don't kill him now like it's game yeah, over the, for the world the whole the whole the, the the whole time in 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 uh season 1 of part 3 where he's just a disobedient punk now is the time you choose to grow up and like actually see that the world is not black and white like no this is the wrong time to have yeah. that kind of like th- that kind of re- revelation you know it's like oh i'm going it's like akin to something like oh i will let you live hitler 
but like wag your tail like you're on death's door but uh i'm gonna because i'm i i'm an upstanding citizen even though i'm not like i'm gonna oh yeah it's it's like when you see like the villain like kills like your friends and family and then you get to the end and it's like i will not become you but along the way to that journey you've also killed a shit ton of people what joe what what what, what joe Turo did was just like yeah no i'm i'm not gonna be you but at this very moment it's like no you you actually need to kill dio because if you don't then bruh like you saw what he did to your dad your your your, uh you know your grandfather you saw what he did to kakuin and all the other members in your party also this is not the time this is not the time to be a a saint you exactly absolutely obliterate this guy also um shout out to the speedwagon foundation for not only restoring kakuin's eyes but also just made him a brainiac because he oh, yeah, figured I forgot, out i forgot that he got blinded for, for, uh, for a good part of the series yeah and he showed up at an awesome moment when iggy's is leading them to the manor that um dio is housed so but like he was the one who figured out that uh the 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 powers that Dio has with the world, yeah, right? Yeah, actually, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Like, how did you feel about that part with Kakuin, where, like, he literally has to sacrifice himself to be able to reveal the power that Dio has? Dope. It was very, very, like, bittersweet. I was just like, damn, like, you really are, like, a trooper. You really are a team member, but holy fuck. It's like, like Caesar with that bubble. Yeah. In the end, like like that was like I think there was like a like a blood bubble or like a bubble with a scarf or something. I, I forgot what it was, but like it was it was like the last hurrah to basically do his part to ensure that Dio does not get his way. Only for at the very last second to kind of have Jotaro being like, "Yeah, you know what? Like, like I'm gonna kill you, but." I, I, I'll kind of give you an out, right? Okay, so that's already, like, that really, like, it just irks me. Like, really, like, just doesn't, I'm not, like, a big fan of it whatsoever. Then comes after that fight with Dio, and what happens to Joseph? Grandpa yeah, Jojo. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's it. That's exactly the part that I was thinking you were talking about. And that's also the part where I'm like, I, I guess this is just Jojo then, right? Like, right. don't need to explain anything. Just, I, I guess this is this is happening. No, okay, first of all, I thought, like, that was dumb. The blood no, transfusion. I thought, I thought I thought Joseph was was as good as dead. It's like this is it. Yeah. Like now, jo- now uh, Jotaro is going to have to carry on the Jojo like, right. bloodline. But you no, see, but they apparently... did not have that dialogue window that says he's dead. Yeah. So I knew that there was something going on, but I did not expect a literal revival. Okay. Yep. Then, then the the, the true the true Phoenix down right there. Right. Exactly. Then. There was that psych out of like, oh, I am Dio, but now in Joseph's body. And I thought at that point, I was like, okay, all right. I see where this is going. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I, I kind of take it back a bit only for it to be like a red herring literally within seconds. And then I was like, okay, but he's just pretending because he's really Dio though. And then clearly he's in the sunlight. So unless if that is also a fake out, I'm just like, then what? What's the point of having him being revived? Like, like, I don't know. I'm sure maybe it will come back. I don't know. I mean, you just have to keep watching parts four or five, six, and and beyond, right? Yeah, but I I just thought like that last like five minutes was just utter shit. Like it really was harsh, but I mean, like I'm not gonna take that away from you. I I mean, I had my problems with it as well. 
like, why did you not kill Dio right then and there, made a whole speech when there were even a, a sliver of a chance that he might make it out, okay? Then the revival thing, and then, like, just, I, I got, it really bothered, that part really bothered me because that was really bizarre to me. So maybe, I guess kudos jojo because that well those... the, most, the most important thing happened in which uh yeah jojo's mom is safe jojo's mom is no longer afflicted by the curse oh by the way is it suzy q well q what's her name suzy q yeah dude like hardened grandma man like fucking just she she's like on her way like the chauffeur is trying to be like i don't i don't want to tell her but like and then it turns out that she know she knew all along, and then she's just like that part is not surprising, but the part is just like she w- she also s- was said like oh I'm afraid, but what can we do? The best we can do is believe. And I thought like that was just awesome. Like that's the whole part is like JoJo is like this upstanding believe in human decency, human kindness. There, there, but, there, yeah, there, there is good in humans, right? There's yeah, good in humanity. But JoJo Jotaro, please pick your opportunities better okay all right he's 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 still uh you know a rambunctious little brat right like he, he's he's never really gonna grow out of his his rebellious phase also i was hoping for a random love interest but i guess maybe not i don't know i guess i'll, I'll get you have to keep watching then right oh my god is it i'm gonna find out in like the first episode of part four and being like this is the logic leap that you're gonna go fine i'll deal with it fine so yeah, there's 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 going to be a lot of logic holes in season four and five and six. Um, I don't think any of those are going to change. But that I guess that that's just the appeal of JoJo. Sometimes you really do not need to throw logic into the mix. Yeah, I I mean I did say throughout the GWEA is like throw logic out the window, right? Uh, but sometimes it just it's, it's I mean you're tempting. you're still human, right? You still got to think about around like the realms within your own possibilities, bro, within your own realities, and like just like in, in this world, two and two doesn't make four. Sometimes it makes five. Yeah, know? and it's I just, can't. It, it can be confusing, and I can't isolate JoJo from all of the rest of anime or you know fic- fictional media, right? Like it's just not possible to do that for me personally. And I think it's irresponsible in a way to to just be like, oh, they get a pass because it's JoJo. I mean, for some things, yes, but sometimes, no. So overall, though, it was a great introduction to the stands, a great reintroduction of some characters like Joseph. Uh, I finally witnessed Jotaro growing up, Palmeroff growing up, Iggy being MVP, and Kakuin being relevant and being awesome t- even till the bitter end. Avdol's a bit whatever, but hey. At, at least he made an impression of, of sorts. Of sorts, yeah. Just don't read Japanese etched on, like, pillars next time. Yeah, do not do do not do that. Yeah. So, no, that, that, that was a very glowing review of, uh, of, of JoJo Part 3. I'm, I'm glad that you're enjoying the journey, and I really, really, really look forward to... Uh, how you review um, parts four and beyond. So um, I think Diamond is a, Unbreakable, yeah. right? Is part four? Diamond's Unbreakable, part okay. four. And All then right. part five is Golden Wind, and then part six is Stone Ocean and beyond. Okay, cool. All right, so that wraps up part three, Stardust Crusaders of uh, Gotta Watch Them All for me. All right, Will, how do you want to go about Monogatari? Because I understand that you just mentioned, and I also agree that like uh, 
the it's it's hard to just talk about Monogatari the final season without going into spoilers. So what I suggest is I I know that I didn't really like sort of give you any pointers on how I want to sort of structure this conversation, but I'll do the best I can as we're doing this recording, sort of guide you like what my thought process is and how mm-hmm. I want to go about talking about uh, the final season. So let's let's give this five seconds. Okay. So uh, actually, before that, let's mention a bit of an issue with the Monogatari series in terms of Ah, watching it. I think that is important because uh, technically speaking, we go in in novel release order. There is... So there are four parts to the final season, which is Suki Monogatari. Then you have uh, Owari Monogatari, which is split across two seasons. So in between season one and season two of Owari Monogatari, you have Koyomi Monogatari, which is like... 12 episode like 12 half episodes um that initially in 2016 when it released was only available in japan on a mobile app but since then has now been released on a paid subscription for Funimation, so you can still access it but there was a period of time when people couldn't watch it uh then you go into like second half of owari monogatari and then you end with zoku owari monogatari now as of recording there is still no way to legally stream Zoku Owari Monogatari. The only ways you can watch it at this moment is if you are in Japan watching it on Netflix, in which case there's going to be no English subtitles. And you could also purchase the Blu-rays or the DVDs. Um, they're pretty expensive. Uh, actually, not too expensive. I think I was looking at Amazon uh, earlier, um, and that's... Uh, the, the, the Blu-ray for uh, Zoku was around $35, $36. And the, um, the, 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 the DVD version, for some reason, is $160. I think there's now, also like I'm, a Chinese uh Yeah, I think so. Somewhere. There, there might be like other streaming services that uh, are, are non-English that you could probably access Zoku on. But um, luckily for me and Jason being an all-star, uh, Jason does have the Blu-ray version of Zoku Owari Monogatari. Guys, I just had to, to know. I just had to unfortunately, know. Unfortunately, unfortunately, despite the fact that I've had a fair amount of time in North America to watch it, um, my MacBook doesn't have a Blu-ray or even a DVD player on it. It's fully USB-C. Uh, and then uh, when I got to Toronto, my brother-in-law's PS4, which does have a Blu-ray player, uh, the PS4 doesn't work. So I actually wasn't able to watch Zoku, but I did watch the other three parts. Um, so for the purpose of this discussion, I will only we will only really be talking about Suki Monogatari, Owari Monogatari, as well as Koyomi Monogatari. Um, we do we wish we could talk about Zoku, but a I didn't watch it, and b it's really really hard to 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 watch it legally. Um, so apologies, but not much yeah. else we can do. Maybe we'll add it as like a bonus later down the line, I guess. But um. The thing is that we were trying to figure out how to split this because Owari Monogatari being the main portion is split into two parts. So would you watch a bit before, a bit after? But we'll decide to bite the bullet and be like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just watch all of it. So, Will, yeah. you wanted to get straight into spoilers, right? I'm just right? going to jump around from uh, like the different parts. Um, so good to do a five-second break and then come back and start doing the spoiler section? Yep. All right. So five seconds starting now. All right, if you're tuning into this part now, we are going to go into all of, well, at least three quarters of the final season of Monogatari. 
which would be Owari Monogatari, Suki Monogatari, Koyomi Monogatari. Uh, we'll go into order later on. Um, so everything we're going to be talking about is pretty much going to be spoiler because, like we've mentioned before, you can't really escape from it. You have to talk about the spoilers in order Wait, to Will, really did you know that Monogatari means story? Yeah, and every story, every arc itself is a portmanteau. It's a combination of two different words, something monogatari, just like how bakemono and monogatari are two separate words. You put them together, and it's one of the greatest series of all time. Yo. Um, so let's start off with um, Tsuki Monogatari, uh, which is a short four-episode part of the final season. Uh, now, the main focus of this particular part, just to sort of go into like the, the, the whole etymology of the name right so tsuki itself is uh the japanese word for to possess and then monogatari is story so it's like possession story or like a story about being possessed um so as a kind of like a quick synopsis it's very much focused on um i guess sort of challenging the ideas of what oddities are what you really see what you really feel and just generally sort of try to understand what the chaos and uh, craziness that exists within this this world of, of Monogatari. Like, we've already seen some real crazy shit that's already happened in the first and second seasons. Season three, like, the final season itself, sort of wraps everything up, but it does take quite a while to get to it because this is still Monogatari. There's still going to be a lot of exposition, a lot of monologues. Um, so it's not different at all from the previous parts. So, Suki Monogatari focuses on a specific character that shows up uh it her name is is it uh yotsugi ononoki uh so that's the the doll the expressionless kind of lifeless doll love her uh, that has more of like a presence in the second season and really starts to shine in the final season uh so it's essentially going over uh learning about you know the the, the reasons for why odysseys exist uh started to sort of shine more light into the mysterious character that is Zuko Gaien and what her purpose is within this whole Monogatari series and what what Koyomi Oragi has to do to be able to confront these oddities, solve mysteries, and really put an end to all this craziness that's happening around him because essentially all the stories we've seen so far revolve mostly around him. So... I have a couple of things I wanted to sort of get off my chest and talk uh, with regards to um, Suki Monogatari. Um, I've mentioned to you before, Jason, and also on the podcast itself, um, that Nisei Monogatari was my least favorite part of all of Monogatari, at least up to the point of where I was watching. Oh, no. I have to say that Suki Monogatari is kind of close to not being my favorite part, my favorite story arc of Monogatari. And I think it's just because it just, I, I guess it's a representation of the character of focus, which is Yotsugi Ononoki, the, the expression of the stall. It felt very lifeless. It felt unemotional. It didn't feel, it felt kind of rigid and not quite akin to how the other story arcs were told. Um, I, the gripes I had with Nisei Monogatari was nothing to do with the story, but more about what was happening on screen. Um, and Tsuki Monogatari kind of just felt very, blase very very like not as entertaining i, I don't know it, it, it sounds harsh because i still very much enjoy watching monogatari no matter what it just didn't it didn't spark joy it didn't spark 
enthusiasm as I was watching it. Granted, you know, with only four episodes, the, that's generally the, the length of each story part in general. I, I just didn't really, really get all that excited about watching Tsukimonogatari. I think Tsukimonogatari, I kind of have a soft spot for, mainly because I like the doll a lot. And also because it really puts into perspective, in my opinion, the main crux or the main dilemma that is going to be the main issue throughout of the final season, which is about A. Koyomi's uh, graduation, as well as the vampire, non-vampire type of situation. Yeah, that 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 main like pseudo like half half like hybrid uh, vampire being that is Koyomi um, after you know what happens uh, between him and uh, Nadako uh, in um, in the second season. Uh, it it's it's very much the focal point of the final season. It it, it you you need to, because that's how it started in the first place, and that's how you're going to have to wrap everything up. So. I, I, it's actually interesting you, you talked about Yutsuki because as much as I felt that the this particular story arc was not very interesting, this also was the beginning of where I started to really, really, really like Yatsugi. And it, I think it's just because like she serves her purpose to a T in that like she is literally just there to exist, to continue moving the story along without really taking any consideration for herself because like she said... I'm literally just a corpse. I'm a lifeless doll. You can do whatever you want with me. I'm just here to make sure that we get from point A to point B, regardless of what I need to do to get us there. Yeah, and I think also one thing that Tsuki Monogatari is does that is extremely important is that riffs or questions that people kind of wanted to put off is starting to have to be addressed for example uh the the fire sisters right um araragi's uh two two younger sisters and uh karen right there is an issue going there about them either splitting up the the fire sister duo or them finding their own path so that is an issue then there is the issue of you know just meme oshino not being able to do the thing that he usually does man meme meme is was very much a missed presence throughout the final season but you know we'll get into you know his character much later in this discussion and i think shinobu's relationship with araragi is tested and then solidified yeah definitely called into question right because it's how they started and it's how they're going to end, right? Yeah. Interesting you brought up the, the the Fire Sisters because that was the other issue I had with Tsuki Monogatari. More than half of it was very much still the things that I really, really, really don't like about Monogatari. And it's the fact that Koyomi is still a incestuous horn dog. Yeah, and that and that the the fire sisters don't do anything really to cover themselves in glory or even cover themselves in general. You know damn well what I'm talking about because damn, God well. damn like like 
do you do you like do you really need to see them naked anymore throughout this series right i was thought i was I, done I, with I, I, Monogatri. I didn't want to see it i wanted to just hear the dialogue for the most part i didn't want to see it it was it was it was like uncomfortable and and like very, not very uncomfortable and not by design i think right like it's just yeah but um going back to just all of it. I just feel like the cogs of literally the final season of the main series is setting in motion. And it all stemmed from kind of from the perspective of of all things a lifeless, emotionless, deadpan, monotone doll. Yeah. I just thought was quite beautiful. Now, I do agree it is quite weak, the story. The dialogue is still pretty solid, but it's just and not think, up to and, par. And the, yeah, that's just the mainstay of any sort of like product that uh, Nishio has, right? Like, I, I, I want to talk more about Nishio later on because there's actually quite a bit I want to sort of go over and, you know, what he represents as as the creator of Monogatari. What um, do you think of think the he, third senpai, though? The, sorry? The third senpai? The third, so, so there's uh, Gaian the yeah. girl that knows everything there's meme there's a sister yeah the meme, meme that is neutral sorry sorry the fourth senpai then there is the the onesang which owns the doll or like his sisters with the doll kind of thing then yeah. there is the guy who makes origami at the temple yeah so we'll get into that because he has much more of a presence in the second half of awari monogatari right okay um, yeah so i'll go into the first half for season one of Owari Monogatari. So that one is 12 episodes, but the first episode split across in two parts. So technically there's 13 episodes. Um, oh, I'm interested in hearing the first, oh, basically Owari one. I want to know. So this is, uh, you're probably not going to like what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, as much as I feel like this is, you know, part of the course, it's very, very, very monologue and dialogue heavy. It's, you know, a, a, a mainstay across, you know, the whole Monogatari series or even just anything that Nishio does, to, uh, uh, writes and puts on screen. But I, I think this was the part where I started to get Monogatari fatigue. You know, like, it, it, at least when you're watching Mono, Baki Monogatari, it's, yes, it's dialogue heavy, monologue heavy, exposition heavy, but it was split across different characters, right? You had Senjukahara, Hanakawa, you had uh, Nadako, you had... Uh, uh, Hita, he, he, um, Snail Girl, uh, I forgot her full name, uh, and then you also have uh, Kanbaru, all right? So at least then, it's like, whilst it is very heavy on the words, heavy on the dialogue, it's focused on different characters, you get to refresh yourself every so often, and then you also have, you know, the the introduction of, of the crazy, badass woman that is Shinobu. Um, second season, some of the story arcs are the best, in my opinion, across all the series. Watching Owari Monogatari, though, just got me thinking, like, how much more of this story do I need to sit and watch before I actually get to start enjoying some of the crazy shit that made me, like, really, really like Monogatari in the first place? Because as much as I... Like, the whole point of this Monogatari series is that it is very much trying to be as close to a carbon copy of the novel itself that Nishio wrote. And 
props to Shaft, right? Shaft did an amazing job of recreating to, at least as close as possible to what Nishio is, uh, had, had written, right? It, and, and this is the kind of thing that I wanted to sort of go over with, with, with Nishio uh, and his, his whole importance to the world of Monogatari. Very, very clearly, whether you're watching it in anime form or reading it in novel form, or even in the manga, there's a manga for it as well. Um, the penmanship, the, the wordsmanship of Nishio is S-tier. He is, is an amazing writer. They, you, you can just tell that like the, the way that he, he, he shapes dialogue, the way that he chooses words, the way that he even like uses like different ways of putting words together, expressing words together, expressing feelings that don't necessarily like... like even the most seasoned of writers, readers, and whatnot, may be like, oh, wow, I did not expect this, or like, I did not see this word being used in this way. I think the main thing with Monogatari, though, is because that since it's written in Japanese, to be able to translate it into English or any other language, a lot of meaning will get lost. And I think that's kind of where the issue is for most watchers or readers of Monogatari, in that whilst Shaft did an amazing job in recreating it in anime form. There's still a lot that can be missed. And I feel that as as long as both you and me or any other listener that's listening to this watches and consumes Monogatari, if you're not a native Japanese speaker or native Japanese reader, you're never going to really get the, the full emotion, the full understanding of the Monogatari series. And I felt that's kind of like where I was started to doze off a bit in Owari because... A lot of the focus of the message of Monogatari, a lot of the elements that make such an encapsulating story that is Monogatari, it can be lost in translation when you're watching it or reading it in English. Because you can't necessarily translate everything word for word. Because with translation, with interpretation, there's many methods to it. You can either do it literally, you can do it poetically, you can do it contextually. Monogatari is such a unique storyline that because there's no genre that really defines what it is it's really hard for you to figure out the best way to translate one word to another one context to another and so when i was watching the first half of owari monogatari i I started just either feeling lost or feeling a bit disconnected from what they were trying to convey in the first half now it might just be because one I'm super tired and I really like, didn't have as much energy watching it this time round, but it just felt that like I had already seen all this, I already like had experienced all this, and unless I am like completely fluent in Japanese, it's not necessarily sinking in me as as much as I'd hoped. It might just be like a personal thing. I feel that, I mean, this is an extremely popular series. And like, whether or not you are a fluent Japanese speaker or reader, it shouldn't really detract your appreciation and attention to the Monogatari series. I just felt that I just started feeling a bit more lethargic and trying to fully understand the Monogatari story during Owari Monogatari. That, that was like the main issue that I had. I still gave the series itself, like that particular season, an 8 out of 10 because... I mean, it was still beautifully animated. There were a lot of like, good interactions with the story. And it started to allude to the like, greater things to happen that would basically be that big bombshell ending of the whole Monogatari series. 
it, it just felt like it was just really, really slow. And it took me a long time to really understand where things were going and getting me excited to be ready for it. So let me first say I actually quite agree with how you feel. And I I only appreciated essentially the first half of Owari more after I finished all of it. Right. Yeah. So the first it's, thing it's, I- it's it's very much like it's very much like you don't just watch it once. You don't just consume it once. You very much have to see everything else that comes afterwards, and then maybe like rewatch that part again. Yeah. Or like rewatch other parts, and then get back to that point and be like, "Oh, that's what happened." Because again, we've talked about before. Whenever they have those flashing screens of text from the actual novels themselves, how often are we actually pausing? And reading it, and then unpausing, and then continuing the story, and then so on. It's like, and to be you, fair, you they calm it just down. Watch, yeah, you can't just watch Monogatari all the way through one time and understand everything. Even if you are a fluent Japanese speaker reader, you're not going to be able to understand everything just from one playthrough. Yeah, they did calm that kind of part down. They either slowed the flashes or they put less stuff on there. So the first thing I would like to say is that the Ogi formula which is the name of that story arc, which takes place literally like a bottle episode in the classroom. I thought, and also the one proceeding afterwards, which randomly out of nowhere comes a new waifu, quote unquote, is Sodachi. So first yeah. thing I would like to say is Sodachi's vo- performance, the voice actress, was quite phenomenal in terms of conveying her like wide spectrum of emotions. And I think Olgi formula, as well as Sodachi Riddle, Sodachi Lost, is providing the context of how Araragi became the person that he is at the very beginning of Bakemonogatari. It is yeah. also interesting because there is very little, quote-unquote, like, oddity, violence, fighting in both of these in all in, in all of the final season actually yeah it, it only, only until the very end exactly so it is a very different kind of thing all of a sudden out of nowhere when you just watch owari then all of a sudden you don't get the violence that you're expecting or gore or crazy action you do get the dialogue but now it's just the dialogue right i do think though the context is quite important and mm-hmm. with Sodachi in particular, when you said about like lost in translation, it is actually super, super important about Nishio's writing style because I think towards the very, almost at the end of the Sodachi's like saga, like when that gets quote unquote resolved, she mm-hmm. texts uh, Araragi on his phone, uh, like, a, like a message or something. And I did not know this until like afterwards that and this was only brought to me by the one the the woman who recommended Monogatari to me in the first place who read it in Japanese is like oh did you know that 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 text message actually contains a hidden message and I'm like shut the fuck up and then I googled it and actually it contains a hidden message that is bonkers to me like Nishio's writing is that crazy that somehow 
that was crazy relevant. It's something to do with like the letter spacing and the the literal reading in between the lines to convey the hidden message is just insane to me. But no one who speaks a lick of who doesn't speak a lick of Japanese will know that, or I didn't know that. It was only brought to my attention by someone who actually not only watched the whole show, but then read the novels. I guess I could have Googled it or read a Reddit comment, but there was no way instinctively for me to know that. And I cannot fault you for that, right? I do think that there was a lot of emotions that came out of... um, and also historical facts about Aragi that came out of the first half of Owari. But really, other than it adding to... like It's like it makes the pot richer, but it doesn't make the pot necessarily better or more satisfying. Mm-hmm. And, that, like, and that's why like, when you were talking about like you once you finish second like the the second season of Owari Moragatri that's when you're like oh so now i can actually appreciate what i saw in the first season because this is where like the genius and like Nishio's writing is right like even if everything is put to you on screen when you first watch it you are going to completely miss it no matter how good you are with japanese no matter how like acquainted you are with the stylings and the writings of Nishio Isin like you're going to miss it. You're you're not going to be able to enjoy and like, fully understand everything from initial viewing. But once you finish watching Owari's second season, that's when you're like, oh my god, it hit me. And that's how I felt after watching it too. Because goddamn, Owari's second season was really damn good. Was 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 was, was eye opening. And you and you knew like from the beginning that this was going to happen. But then it actually does happen. You're like. I did not see that coming. Or like, holy fuck, this all makes sense now. This oh. is why we were watching Monogatari for the, in, in the first place. Quick thing. Um, and this is kind of... I don't think a lot of people have this kind of opinion. But the Sodachi Lost and Sodachi Riddle arc, I really like the OP. But that's my personal thing, really. Ooh, I don't think gonna, a lot... We're going we're, we're, we're gonna to have a little bit of a discussion about OPs later on. Yeah. But um, yeah... Um. So, tell me. Yeah. About... So, w- w- without even talking about like Zoku, I'm sure like we'll, we'll find time when the time is right to talk about Zoku. But the reason why I'm not even talking about Koyomi yet is because I just wanted to focus on the the brilliance, the the progression of Owari Monogatari that we've seen it before, especially with like the second season where. Things just kind of take a little bit long to to really brew and stew, but once like the the the, the soup's ready, you're like, mm, that's a damn good tasting stew, and that's basically how I felt after finishing Owari Monogatari. It was like a very satisfying ending. It was really really great to see that uh, Mayoi Snail Girl comes back because she has never left. She's always going to be a pivotal part of this oddity curse. She's always going to be part of this world as long as Aragi, Aragi exists. And Shinobu is also going to have a part in this no matter whatsoever. Hey, right? and guess Every what? Every character that you see in the first heart, they're going to be here. And guess what? Uh, the snail tries to find her way home, but someone else 
a, a Maui guided someone else home. Yeah. And I thought, like, poetic, like, oh, my God, like, hats off, right? But anyways, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, like, after watching like, the first half, I was ready to deride it. Not, not deride it, but more just, like, man, I don't know. Like, is this just, you know, just pretentious, you know, like, oh, trying to act smart because you think that you understand you know, Monogatari and all oh, that. Oh, you're hot after, shit, after, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. let's be real. It's not complex in that sense where you're just like, oh, this is big brain thinking. You have to really, really get into Nishio to understand the brilliance that is Monogatari. No, 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 no. That, that's not what, like, this is that, about at all. But it does require a level of dedication and a level of appreciation for the absurdity of how good of a writer Nishio is. Because, damn, it, it literally all came full circle. From the beginning when you started watching the first minute of Bakemonogatari to the point where at the very, very end, when Ogi is standing outside that classroom and Aradagi runs to her, him, her, however she, like, because, you know, the whole thing, like, I'm just, yeah. I, I'm actually a little boy, yeah. She then says, oh, you're just never going to change, are you? It's like, oh, I am changing. The only thing changing is I'm not changing myself. And that was, like, super poetic, like, like. It means nothing, but it means everything at the same time. It's like, what do you mean? Like, you're going to change. How can you not change this? It's like, oh, that actually does make sense. Oh, that's what the whole point of watching Monogatari was. That's what every single character that he's interacted with represents, right? From from Okono, uh, Ononoki, the like. Were you going to say Okonomiyaki? Because her name is Yotsugi, right? So I was like, yeah, Okonomiyaki. Yeah, yeah. yeah, almost, almost slipped. Close, um, close. But yeah, like those those characters like literally are just pure representations of the little insecurities, the arrogance, the 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 hatred, the self-hatred that Araragi has for himself. And that's why at the end when he says, I'm changing, I'm changing things about myself. The only thing I'm that's not changing is me. Was just like yeah, just just cut the cameras. This is it. Like we we've just witnessed a masterpiece quote like goddamn i had to uh, applaud that part too and I, and I understood what you were saying as well like talking about the whole monogatari series where it's like each part that you watch isn't necessarily going to be the best thing you'll ever watch but when you add everything together it's some of it's all, it's all of some of its parts when you add every single experience you had throughout baki monogatari through to owari monogatari it, it, it's it's a perfect series yeah it's like, a really damn good series. Like Mayoi deciding to not get revived and working it out with Koyomi Araragi to be like, yo, you should you should go back. Okay. That was already pretty cool. Then the moment he comes back, you see Shinobu basically free of the shackles, so she can be whoever she wants, do whatever she wants, and she still chooses. To, to basically be like, nah, son, uh, without Aragi, I will fuck you up, Gaian. And then it turns out it was by design. Then uh, he goes on a date with Senju Gahara, just like that in was the, so, yeah. just like that in was the so first season. But it's a different date this time. Also kind of takes place in a car, kind of. And that moment towards the very end, it kind of felt like you know a soldier getting sent off to war like the night before the day before type deal like 
like this might be it but it's not but it feels like it and i thought it was just such a lovely romantic kind of it's just a date that's it right but there was a there was a whole lot to enjoy from watching those last seven episodes of yeah and and then then shinobu it was the it was the perfect summary of everything we consumed yeah and then shinobu basically like putting araragi like on her lap while prior to that playing baseball with like that fucking long ass katana that can kill oddities i was just like guys what are we doing here this is great um and then finally uh you find out like Ogi's purpose or Ogi's existence then Meme showing up at the very last second then Hanakawa showing up at the very very last second being like yeah bro like I got you <laughs> yo I found Meme you know how I, I I got a Harrier jet oh by the way it's all good uh like I, I made some deals. It, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You, you might be dating Senjukahara, but I'll always love you kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, hey, Senjukahara, you, you know, like, I'm willing to do this. I might be second place, but but just just, just, just so you don't, know. Don't 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 slip because if you slip, I'm ready to take your place. And Senjukahara's like, okay, sure. I'm never going to slip, but I appreciate that you're there for Koyomi. Yeah. Also, I love you too, and I love you too, but also we're frenemies kind of thing. And then how Araragi deals or resolves the situation with Ogi, right? And kind of still is true to himself, right? And then literally the last... Literally, he has to be true to himself in order for the story to end right that that was that was the purpose of why ogi existed yes and then literally as you mentioned like very appropriately the very last scene is essentially like same shit different day but everything is different and also one of the most romantic scenes between shinobu and araragi ever with gaian being like you sure about this and then Shinobu, like, you know, you know, if you move on, there's going to be no donuts where you go. It's like I know that's why I'm staying. Yeah, and also it's just like what well, he says. She said like, oh, if we ever lose our connection, I will t- live for three days to tell your story. And like it was in the most weirdest way, the most romantic thing ever. And in my opinion, I think Shinobu and Aragi's relationship is like not romantic but like almost more important than that you like know what it I supersedes mean? like what he has for Senshikahara, what he has for hanakawa like it's what, diff- he, what he has for mayobi as well exactly right like it's it's not perversion romanticism attraction it's just without each other unrecorded love it's it's yeah. literally just love for each other beyond affection beyond support it's like it's just pure love and I was so I, I I didn't tear up, but I was so touched, like like it was, it, it was a very heartfelt moment. Yeah, it really was. And the last scene to basically be like, well, you got to do what you got to do, man. And then he just runs off, and it's just it puts a smile on my fucking face. Really, yeah. It was like it was great, very very good. Um, 
So that was Awari Monogatari, and what a perfect way to end. Well, not to end the overall series. We still have Zoku to talk about, uh, which when I finally get my hands on some form of Blu-ray player, I'll I'll be watching it for sure. But it'd be remiss to not talk about Koyomi Monogatari as much as it is. It feels kind of misplaced in all this craziness and all this wonderfully, beautifully written ending to the Monogatari series. Um I didn't like Koyomi Monogatari, but I mean, at the same time, I, I, it's I like, think I told you yeah. it's it's like random fill in the blanks throughout the timeline, except the last one. Like, I mean, because I mean, literally, it's Koyomi, as in Koyomi Monogatari, and it's Koyomi's story, it's Koyomi's tale. Literally, because I was I was like watching it too. It's just like, oh, they're playing Rena Circulation again. Oh, they're playing um, Platinum Disco again. Okay, I got it. I got it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then like. That's when it's like, oh, these are literally just side missions to all the different story arcs that we had seen from episode one through to the end. Um, for the, the most part, most of them don't matter at all. The like donut the one 11. was pretty good, though. There, 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 there were some nice ones. I think overall I gave it a seven until the very, very end when it's just like the last two minutes of all of Koyomi Monogatari where you're like, wow, this is like literally the most important thing. Like you, you, you didn't need to watch anything else before, but you watch those two minutes and you're ready for the second half of Wadi because if you don't see that part, and that that must have been like a, a real gripe for the people who I was so tilted watching it. Right? I was so Cause tilted because then you you at the time you would have just gone from season one Wadi Monogatari into season two and you'd just be like, what the fuck happened between like when this wait hold on a second. What? And then you have to look on fandom pages. You have to try and see if maybe on Reddit somebody might have an explanation. But it's then even more egregious than Hana, right? Like yeah. Hana gets slotted in technically of novel release order in the middle of season two, right? But like yeah. that one is kind of like, well, if you don't see the time skip, it's not that bad. But here it's like it literally is like the thing that caps off that if you were to start Owari, you don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, like you literally and, and, don't and, know. And, yeah, and whilst you will know what happens, it's still very much like that was a massive plot hole to leave in there. It's just like anybody would have been pissed if they found out that there was a whole very important two minutes in Kuyomi Monogatari that you will never be able to consume until Venomation picked it up and started releasing it. And it was just like, oh, you did it for the app. Well, fuck you. Like, and I get it. I, I get that you know there's a lot of people in Japan that really love it, but there are also hella people outside of Japan that are like, I need to see this. Like it's just there's a whole world outside Japan, and everybody wants to see more about Monogatari, right? So overall, I think just 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 to wrap up my thoughts on the final season and overall, like the whole Monogatari series, um, it it's a trek. It, it it's very much. A, a series that you cannot just go in kind of half-assed. Like, you really do have to commit to it. And it's not necessarily a negative thing on it. It is, it is it, 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 It's also not serving as a warning to anybody who wants to get into the Monogatari series because I feel like any series you get into, you need some level of dedication to carry you from point A to point B. But the Monogatari series, it, it's, it, like we've said it many times, it's a book. It's a whole ass novel from beginning to end, and you have to be there for the full ride to really appreciate it. And 
even if you don't understand it the first time, don't worry. Take your time. Get back to watching the first episode. Watch it through again. This is not going to be one of those, like, you watch it once, you know everything. Hey, congratulations. No. This is something that you really do need to slowly and slowly grow your appreciation for. And at the end of it, it just makes the whole journey, like, so worth it. Like, I, I, I probably will need to rewatch certain story arcs just to really understand what the hell's going on. I mean, we'll need to pause whenever those little like novel clips like start flashing on the screen just so that I can understand what the purpose is, where in the story I am and how it's going to grow my like overall appreciation from point A to point B. I I have to say like there are some really, really damn good anime series out there and I probably still have them in my top three. But the Monogatari series is absolutely something that if you're willing to put the time into it and you're willing to grind and try and learn every tidbit of the story, it, it, it just makes it worth it. You just you, you have to work hard to enjoy Monogatari. It, it, this is not like a walk in the park. You actually need to sit and read and listen. So I think that concludes very succinctly Will and I's thought on the Monogatari main series. Now, I say main series because let's get into a bit about where GWA is going to head towards. For me, Jason, it's pretty simple. Watch more JoJo. Done. Easy. Let's keep going. For Monogatari, though, technically, other than Zoku, uh, it kind of is in this weird limbo state because even though this is called the main series, the story of Monogatari actually continues with the fourth Monogatari saga. So first, second, and final season. This is the fourth one called Off Season, which focuses kind of like essentially on various characters. And then the big one being the fifth Monogatari saga called Monster Season um, about essentially Koyomi's life that continues. And I heard a lot of interesting things throughout the Monogatari saga, tidbits here that I shouldn't be spoiled, but I was too tempted to. But Shaft said that they would are committed because why wouldn't you? It earns a shit ton of money for them probably. I, I think, yeah, I think with, with Shaft, no matter what, they're never going to be able to get away from Nishio. Like, I think they, they absolutely And they don't love, want to. Yeah. They love Nishio's work. And so, like, it it's only right that if at the right time, they all sit down and put together all their efforts to be able to recreate and adapt off season and monster season. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to go and start reading the light novel uh, in preparation for the adaptation. No, I think at this moment, I, I do need a bit of a break from Monogatari because, okay, look, I love Tatami galaxy. Very, very exposition and dialogue and monologue heavy. This is a whole different thing. Right, this is Donagatri like, is ten times longer, ten times more in depth. Um, I still like Tatami Galaxy more, but that's just personal bias. But I would not hesitate for anybody who's ready to get into Monogatari to at least sort of guide them on how to enjoy it and what to look out for, or more importantly, just just do whatever you want with it. Like watch it for the first time, you're going to find a lot of enjoyment out of watching it. Okay. Um, so I think we'll, now we're now, now now we're going into some 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 pretty uh some pretty heavy shit now, right? Yeah, we're we we have gone quite at length, but the journey is not yet over because even though this is basically 
for the time being, the end of Will's Monogatari Gotta Watch Them All journey, Will has a report that he has to file for me. Namely, uh, three types of reports, Will. Uh, You need to tell me, in terms of opening your top five, your story arcs top five, and I would say, finally, we end on the most important question, your waifu top five. And we'll try to make this as quick and like with with nuggets of information and commentary in between. So, give it to me. Starting off with the best openings, I think you know we've done this so many times with all of our awards and tier lists. Um, I'm going to drop a special mention first, or sure. kind of just you know yeah. something that is that should that should have been there, but because I only have space for five, unfortunately, I'm not able to cover more. Um, but um, the special mention I do have is uh, for at least for the best openings, um, if there was more space for it, it would have definitely been in there. Uh, Muso Express, or Delusion Express, or whatever it is, um, which was the third opening uh, theme song for the second season of the Monogatari series. So that played during the Nadako Medusa um, story arc. That would be of um, you know, in terms of uh, TV broadcast, episodes 12 through to four, uh, episodes 12 and 14. Um, I really like that track because it's, it's, it's a little bit different from the other the other tracks and not to mention as well it's it's sung by it's it's, it's still kanahara so very much Wait, enjoyed who that she? one who is she who's kanahara she's a very um very hardworking um uh, va that's uh has been working on a lot of different things um maybe you might have heard of um xyz abc one two three literally yeah. every single yeah everything yeah. like she is yeah. probably the most well-known voice actress like voice actor actress Ever, I would say. Now, okay. Going into the things that actually make the top five, uh, in fifth place, I have the second opening theme of the Bakemonogatari series, the first season overall of Monogatari, uh, Kaeri Michi, which is the main theme song for Mayoi Hachikuji. Um, now, if you remember, it was a very, very sort of like happy, hardcore Euro dance kind of techno very very electronic and energetic um it's 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 a lot more energetic than most of the different theme songs that occur throughout uh monogatari's but i just liked it because you know low-key i really like mayoi i really like that character and the song's lit i i I very much enjoyed the, the 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 tone of it and it very much plays out like how that particular arc within bakemonogatari plays out so that that takes the fifth spot for me uh, number four. All right. Uh, this one was in the. Um, is, Wait, is Moso Express said, the jazzy one? I don't. Man, there were so many openings. I can't remember. Okay, <laughs> but um, it, I might. I, I've definitely need to listen to it. Okay. Um, now, in <laughs> there's going to be a theme with this as well because as much as I do not like Nisei Monogatari, I actually do feature quite a lot of Nisei Monogatari openings. Yeah, um, Platinum Disco, here we go. Uh, no. No? Not that oh, one. Oh, shit. Um, so when we, when we talk about like Monogatari, I think like the most sort of um, representative openings like outside of Ren Eye Circulation would be Staple Stable, right? You would say that I mean, at least in my opinion, I think that like is very much like the the, the core, the theme, the the ethos that is uh, 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 is Monogatari staple, stable, right? 
Now, when, uh, when I started watching these in Monogatari, uh, there, was a, there was a particular theme song called uh, Futako Tome, uh, which was performed by Chiwa Saito, um, the voice of Hitagi Senjigahara. Uh, it features in the Karen B uh, part one and part three arcs of uh, Nisei Monogatari. Um, when you listen to it, it kind of sounds, not kind of, it, it sounds exactly the same as Staple Staple, but the difference between those two is that they add an extra bass line in uh, Futako Tome that I really, really, really like. And um, I, I'm, I'm mostly talking about this from like a music perspective. Um, that's generally how I try to judge my openings. Though, of course, the visual aspect does play a little part in it too. Um, but I, I just like the vibe of it. I really like the music. Um, and it was just, it, it was pretty much like, it just reminded me of what I really liked about Bakemonogatari. And it kind of helped me get through the tragedy that was Nisimonogatari. So it, it, that, that takes my, uh, my fourth spot. Okay. Now, in third, uh, this one was uh, later on in the second season, and uh, you know exactly which one it is because, damn, that was a good opening track. It was a banger. I'm talking about Kogarashi Sentiment, which is the sixth uh, opening theme song for Hitagi End in second season. So uh, this was performed by the voice actress for Itagi Sinjukahara, which is Chiwa Saito, as well as uh, oh no, best Kaiki. best 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 girl. What are you talking about? Shinichiro Miki. Um, that was just fun. It just it was very retro style. I liked the sort of open air convertible that they're driving in. Um, just was it Ridge Racer like, or it was it was it was just fun. It was, it was good. Just a good it was track. Great. Like yeah, no, I, I I really 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 enjoyed it. Um, not much else to say really about it other than the fact that it just felt good. Uh, definitely felt good. I mean, aside from the fact that, of course, you know, with Kaiki being the first and only male character that performs in an opening theme song for Monogatari, like for sure, then that means um, the, well, that you know of, yeah, that you that I know of, right? But I, at that point, then it's like, no, that's a legitimate claim for being in contention for best girl. Okay, now uh, on to the second place. Uh, this one's a no-brainer. Uh, I think I've talked about Staple Staple and how it's one of the most representative tracks of the Monogatari series, but you can't escape from the fluffiness, the fuwa fuwa feel of Renai Circulation. Um, now, this was, of course, performed again by Kanahana, uh, the voice actress for Nadako, Sen- uh, Nadako Sengoku, uh, and, I mean, it's fuwa fuwa as hell. Super fluffy, super cute, and used in so many different mashups. Like, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, Jason showed me the mashup of Rena Circulation with Anya from Spy X Family. And goddamn, that was perfect as hell. Like, you, you couldn't get away from the fact that, yes, Anya is, like, the main focus here. But, hey, man, Monogatari. I mean, great. not as good as that Kanye West and Evangelion remix, right? Oh, dude, yeah, no, that's that 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 that's just that's just like S plus 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 tier. Like, yeah, you can't, you can't escape from that. Fair enough. Um, not much else I need to say about that because of the fact of, of how good that track is. Um, but now going into my overall most favorite track of all of Monogatari, back on the Nisei Monogatari train. This time, now we can talk about Platinum Disco because that's just vibes. That's just vibes. I, so good. I, I just I just loved watching the 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 opening 
for that particular arc. It's it's the third opening of Nisei Monogatari, uh, performed by uh, Yuka Iguchi, uh, who's the voice actress for Tsukihi, uh, the younger sister of the Fire Sisters. Um, Also, like, very, very, like, a nice little sort of... Would you say it's an Easter egg? Uh, In the beginning of um, uh, Tsuki Monogatari, uh, when, of course... Araragi like bombs into the sisters whilst they're changing about to go take a bath and all that. Like he then starts popping and locking. Yeah. And he actually yeah. does the dance to yeah. platinum disco. I'm just like, yeah. oh, you son of a bitch. You son yep. of a bitch. I love that. Yeah. Oh awesome. man. Uh, I mean, but anyway, you you've heard me wax lyrical about Platinum Disco. Fucking great song. It's just cute vibes. Like you can't help but feel like you just bob your head and maybe even pop a couple, you know, pop some shapes and just 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 bob along the song. It's just it's it's a good time, man. Like I have to say, like Red Night Circulation will forever be that representative track of Monogatari along with um Staple Stable. But like my own personal favorite will will, will never be anything else but Platinum Disco. Yeah, now, that's a pretty solid list. Yeah. All right. On to the best arc. Now, I, I did take certain liberties with how to put this together because, and hear me out, um, I'm, I am I don't care about the roles, but there is, like, of course, reason behind all this madness. The roles? Um, so now, of course, mean? Uh, for, the, for, for the best arc, special mention, um, I'm just going to put the whole Bakemonogatari series, like the, the, the first season together. Oh, I see because, what you mean. Okay, yeah. Because you can't really talk about, like, like Surugi, you can't you can't talk about monkey without talking about snake. You can't talk about snake without talking about snail. You can't talk about snail without crab and cat and all that. It all because it's it's the first fucking thing, man. Uh, you you see everything. I will be fair, right? Like you kind of have to with Bakemonogatari included as one whole product because it is only later on when things get fragmented are you able to discern the differences, right? Like. You can't. I understand why you did that, and I actually, now that I think about it, I do agree with the way that you, uh, you, you, you say it like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, like it makes sense, right? It makes sense. Now, if I had to be nitpicky about like which particular arc I like the most from Bakemonogatari, um, Sengoku's arc, I like the snake arc, fucking great, right? Now, actually, oh, so you like Tentai, the- huh? Yeah. yeah moving on to uh, okay. number five mm-hmm. now again slight liberties in terms of how i put this together but um i thought that in uh in terms of the the subasa family and subasa tiger arcs because you can't really talk about one without the other but of course if i had to pick one then i would talk about subasa tiger so this is the whole neko black neko white um story arcs of um of of, of, of monogatari I just like seeing that ruthless killer side of Hanakawa, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I really like Hanakawa as a character, and it just was very refreshing to see that whilst there was Shinjukahara, who was badass, and there was uh, Shinobu, who is literally, like, the one that you do not want to mess with, it was also nice to see that Hanakawa kind of, you know, stacks up against, you know, some of the best in terms of, uh, the main heroines of 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 Monogatari, um, so I would I would like to group the whole family and tiger arcs together. But if I had to actually like pick one specific area, it would be 
Tiger. I I, I thought that was a, a really really good arc. Um, just because um, white haired and that sort of like white black gradient haired Zabasa, uh, 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 Hanakawa, fucking gorgeous. Even though I prefer her having long purple hair. Did you like that when uh, she was talking to Ogi and then basically is like, oh, give me 10 seconds to literally like wipe off the dye in my hair to sort of like Sherlock Holmes this riddle thing. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was that was a, I, I like the arc a lot, uh, but not as much as the next one, which was focusing on Senjukahara, Hitagi End, the last arc of excuse me, the last arc of the second season. So, That's the airport run, right? Yes, the one where so they good. have to put on the different disguises through so orange good. juice and judges' faces and all that. God damn it! But then, like, but but I loved it particular part because you saw two different sides of two different characters. One, which is Kaiki, mm-hmm. always being a swindler, always just messing things up. But actually, when you really think about like what he's doing, he actually he actually has a heart. He actually's like, you know what? I don't have to be a dick all the time. I will do this something out of the goodness of my own heart. And at the same time, on the other side of that table, you have Hitagi Senjukahara, who is a hard ass, who is literally, you do not mess with this girl, otherwise she's going to literally staple your lips together. And you finally get to see her be vulnerable. You finally get to see her actually going out and asking for help, because as much as she wants to stand up for herself, wants to be strong, wants to get things done with her own bare hands, there are certain things that... No matter what she does, she cannot achieve. And to actually see her break out of that shell, get off that throne, and actually go to someone in like in a time of need, and of all like, people, of all I, people, I, I, you, to get you to just really appreciate it. Yeah, you just appreciated seeing that vulnerability in in Senjukahara. So that, that was a very very beautiful, very beautiful uh, end to the second season. Oh, quick um, note with Kaiki. Yeah. Yep. Kaiki went against a god and won. Yep. Can 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 we just can we just say that? Okay, we said that. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. A mortal went against an immortal and 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 won. Okay. Yep. 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 Okay. Now then. Um not much to say about the next one because I've really talked about I think I spent like 15 minutes straight just talking about it. Um Owari Monogatari the second season. All of it, all seven episodes put together, like it just encapsulated what I loved most about the Monogatari series. All right, good, got that one out of the way. Now, the the second best story arc that I loved. I've talked to you how much I love Nadako, how much I love Hanakawa, and it's only fair that I would give the second place. Did you best get hurt? Story arc was Nadako Medusa. Okay, I know where. That- Okay, yeah, that was some of the most violent, some of the most what the fuck moments of manipulative all of too. Really, really crazy. Like it really does play with your emotions and how you feel, like how you view certain characters. Like of, of course, I've talked about how like, literally just like seconds ago about how there's a different side to Kaiki, how's a different side to Senjukahara, but you never suspected that with. Like you, you knew like how powerful the oddity was within Sengoku, but goddamn to actually see it play out on screen in full HD was just oof. It was breathtaking. It, it was it was it was a really it, it wasn't fun because it was actually some parts were actually really hard to watch. Um, but it 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 stands as as the as the second best for me. 
which then brings me to number one, and it's no surprise, it has to be Koyomi Vamp. That whole Kizumonogatari movie series, the three movies all put together, is probably the craziest, most enjoyable story arc of all time for me within Monogatari. Now, of course, makes sense. It's bloody as hell, action-packed, full-on, like, high-octane craziness. But that's exactly why, like, it earns my number one spot. Because that was, like, this, this is, this, this is, like, the very beginning of all this madness that ensues in Monogatari. Who Shinobu is, what she is, as not just, like, like a, a powerful being, but also just as a central character to the whole Monogatari story. And what part she plays in the whole world that revolves around Koyomi. Um, I mean, I, I've spent like a previous episode talking about it at length, and I don't think I need to say any more other than the fact that that is my number one story arc. Koyomi Vamp is the best story arc of all time for me for all of Monogatari. I I agree with Kizu 100%. It, it's just so fucking good. It's so goddamn good. Now, All right. The most contentious part of this uh, this review that I need to send to you and publish uh, by the end of this recording, uh, we are now going into the final tier list, the final top five, uh, which is the best girl or best waifu of the Monogatari series. Now, this isn't just only limit to like the heroines of Monogatari. This could be really any character if you if you, if you so choose. Um, I have to give a special mention to Yotsugi Onanoki, the lifeless doll. Okay. Like we already mentioned as well. Mm-hmm. Very, very well-written character and blase and boring with a purpose. So her purpose. And you, and you really do get to enjoy her at the end, right? You, you get to enjoy her growth or at least her, her, her mission to help others grow uh, as, as the final season ensues, right? Now, number five has to go to Ogi Yoshino. Mm-hmm. As much as the first time when I saw her do a 180 pivot on that bike during Hana Monogatari. No, it's a it's a dude. Well, yes, at that point. But, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's just like that was it too. It's just like, who is this person? As much as each character is hiding a monster and oddity within them, or like a story that like doesn't necessarily unfold until you get to that end point of that particular arc. There's always that sense of who the hell is this person? And why does everyone kind of know this person already, but never showed up previously? Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, absolutely. I know her and I see her, but I don't know her and I don't know what I see. That's literally what Oki is. Um, A personal favorite, but unfortunately because the other three characters are just just too powerful. um, In fourth place has to be Mayoi Hachikuji, Snail Girl. Oh, uh, because her 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 story is 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 tragic but poetic, and it's great to see that she has that great send off at the end of the final season. Um, I I just I just love her. I, okay, I, I feel sorry for the fact that like she always gets fucking molested by Makayomi, but I guess that's just something that's never going to change. I mean, like literally at the end, um, in the in, I think it was in Owari, um, where he's where he's like. Oh, there you are. I'm totally not gonna go and run up to you and try and look at your panties. And then he runs up to her and tries to look at her panties. Psych. Yeah, exactly. 
right? Huh? You thought. Um, but then, yeah. So I love Moyoi. Now, it's no surprise that the top three are the top three because I'm sure that if anybody were to make a top three for best girl, these three characters would be there. Um, I'm just going to list them in order. Yeah, but which you, order? You, yeah. Which uh, order is in it? Third Will? Place, in third place is Shinobu. Oh! Yes. I. It's hard, man. Because the, and, and, and the thing is because like with, with Shinobu, unlike the other characters in which they have like themselves and their oddity form, there's so many different versions of Shinobu that it's kind of unfair. You know, because you have like the immortal vampire that is Shinobu. You have the one that has lost all her power is Shinobu, the one that loves donuts. You have the one that's on the in-between that's like essentially fighting with Koyomi to be able to be like, no, join my side or die. Like That's why it's like as much as there's there's so many different transformations and so many perspectives of Shinobu, it's because there's so many sides that you see everything. And of course, you're going to make Shinobu your number one. And I feel it's a little bit unfair for the other characters. That's why I made Hitagi Shinjukahara my number two. Um, Because, like, when you do see the other side, just like, wow, you're attractive, smart, scary, daring. But at the same time, when you get to Hitagi N, you're just like, wow, there actually is a human being inside that human. There actually is a side that has compassion, that actually does have understanding and emotion. Um, Which leaves uh, the most lovable character, my personal waifu and best girl across all of Monogatari, Tsubasa Hanekawa. Who else would it have been? I've nonstop talked about this character in Bakemonogatari, in the Neko series, both black and white. Even if she doesn't have as much of a presence in final season, she really did her job. She stole my heart. I have to give the number one spot for best girl to Hanekawa. You can fight me in the comments if you disagree. All How'd right. Did I throw any sort of like, did I throw a spanner in the works? I noticed you were a little bit wincy when I said that Shinobu was number three. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. But it's, but it's sound reasoning, or at least like in my opinion, that, that, that that's how I made that list. Look, it's not... There's no right or wrong answer as 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 much as people might want to say that, right? Like everyone's preferences and affinity with characters are different. You can't say there is a be all end all, right? Like Yeah. But I do get I knew that Hanakawa was number one. Uh Hitagi was probably number two. So I'm not surprised at Shinobu. I just thought that you might bump off Senjugahara and put uh I thought you would put Senjugahara at number four, put Nadako at number three, Shinobu at number two, and Hanakawa at number one. You know, I mean, it it, it was and my really my Oe number five. That's it was, what I it thought. It was really it was really really tough leaving Sengoku, like Nadako off that list. But like with the reasons I gave, especially with like the showings that Onanoki and Ogi Yoshino had in the final season, they just they just pulled themselves up in the rankings and unfortunately Nadako was the one who had to just 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 about miss out like I, I'm sorry but look it, it it's it, it was it was actually that was the hardest part picking best girl it was very easy to do the openings it was very easy to do the arcs but best girl 
best waifu, that was that was a bit of a struggle. As, as much as I could say that it was always going to be like Shinobu, Senjigahara, and Hanakawa in some order of top three, it was the last two that were like, ah, so many of these main heroines, so many of these characters do deserve to be in that top five. And in the end, I had to, I had to make some cuts. Like that's just it. Like I, I don't follow all the rules, but there are certain rules I follow. So that's, that's just how it's going to be. I think that's fair. The fact that you finished Monogatari basically is in my mind, mission accomplished on my end. So, and the fact that, um, I, think that you have both problems and like pros to say about Monogatari series is akin to just how awesome the series is but nothing is perfect yeah and so that pretty much wraps up you know my thoughts and also I guess in, in some extent Jason's thoughts on the Monogatari series we already know what Jason's thoughts are because I mean, he's they featured in so many tier lists and so many awards already. So, what's next for my side now that I'm done with Monogatari? Well, if you listened during the news section and how we said that there might be a bit of a spoiler announcement when we were talking about the Nerve Gear VR like IRL uh, news updates. That's going to be my next. Gotta watch them all series I'm going to be tackling. I am going to be watching for the first time all of Sword Art Online or whatever has already been released. Um, so I know there's, of course, season one, season two, Elicization, a bunch of movies and all that. I will be going through all of that shit. And I'm really looking forward to it, despite, you know, the hate that it kind of gets. It, I mean, there's much less of it now because it's been around for a while. So people have kind of cooled off on hating on SAO, but... I'm looking forward to it. I'm, 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 I'm about to get into this new VR MMORPG slash Isekai um, that's, uh, you know, took the world by storm like ten years ago. All right, and we went a bit heavy on the length for this episode. I don't care. I don't but, care. I mean, like, the, there was just too much to talk about yeah, for Monogatari. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I anticipated it, 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 that. It would, right? it would, it would be, it would be criminal to just try and talk about final season as well as all of monogatari in like 30 minutes you just can't do that yeah that's why i was like yo uh we were thinking about adding some stuff in the reading watching i was like just cut it because i yeah we need to give time so i i i'm 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 have no qualms but thank you very much for uh staying all the way to the end of Will's Gotta Watch Them All for the Monogatari series, not for the end of all of Gotta Watch Them All, but you can always reach us through our email, gapallet at gmail.com. That's G-A-P-A-L-E-T-T-E at gmail.com. All lowercase, all one word. You can tell us how Senjugahara is better than Hanakawa using uh, the handle at palletgood for Twitter, capital p and capital g or one word or maybe shinobu can be the best girl at any point in time through our gap discord server using the invite link in the show description you can also stalk our website we encourage you to check it out our website is www.goodanimepalette.com all lowercase all one word 
Music credits for this episode. Our intro music is Ninth Power by Henyo. Our break music is Salamanca by Sarah the Instrumentalist. And our outro music is Golden Rules by Luax. You can support the music artists that we feature by listening to them on Spotify, Apple Music, or other various music listening platforms. And our royalty-free music was provided by Epidemic Sounds. Thank you very much, Epidemic Sound. If you're interested, you can sign up using our referral link in the show description to get the first 30 days of your 12-month plan for free terms and conditions apply. Woo! So, that was a doozy. That was a very long recording, but I think it was absolutely needed because... Absolutely. Just, yeah. And, I'm, 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 and like, you know, when we were talking about this before, we were like, you were like, oh, there really isn't all that much to say about JoJo Part 3 um, and maybe put more focus on Monogatari. No, I, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, you, you, there's just too much goodness in, in Monogatari to just only, like, talk about it for, like, 30 minutes. Like, I needed to... Get a, I mean, like you, you heard me. I, I just talked nonstop about it for like a good 15, 20 minutes. And, you know, hopefully you stuck around like the listeners, you guys stuck around to, to, to listen to my thoughts, because I hope that like my experience will be the same for you in that it is a heavy, very, very dense anime series to get into. But once you get yourself started and once you start getting into the groove of things, you start picking up on what makes the series so wonderful, so encapsulating and absolutely worth your time. So here's the question, Will, before we head off for this episode. It is free game, is fair game for it to show up on the finale, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Speaking of, I mean, I haven't put together my picks yet for it. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be like a chance that some form of monogatari features in my uh, finale. I mean... Why wouldn't it, right? Yeah, I, I, I thought as much. I just thought I would clarify. Okay. Um, we've kept you guys, listeners, long enough. But listen, we got we to gotta say what we got to say. And if you want to hear all of it, you're welcome to. If you don't want to hear all of it or come back later after you finish the stuff that we consumed, just so that you can hear through our thought process afterwards, by all means, do so. Uh, Will, anything before we head off? Uh, no, I'm going to go make myself another coffee, uh, just so I can stay awake a little bit longer. And then, uh, yeah, um, it, it was, it was good to finally get back to recording. I have to say, um, and hopefully of course, you know, with, um, with, with how we're going to be scheduling the rest of JP, especially since we are getting to the end of season four and about to start up season five. Uh, yeah. Um, look forward to, you know, getting back into, uh, regular recording sessions and hopefully, uh, not have too much disruption. Uh, in terms of how we record our episodes. All right, so that's it. I'll catch you guys later. Take it easy, y'all.